Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April the 16th, 2019. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, a regular old comedian this evening. Caffeine Rage? Secret City of Heroes emulator operators address score leak drama, rebut personal info database rumor. That is a mouthful. New console announcements are coming from Sony and Microsoft. YouTube is to create interactive narratives. We'll have a weekly community corner with a focus on game night and a Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Um. Well, it's kind of funny you ask after you know talking to me for so long. I know we do this every week. It's like we just sat down to start this conversation. Yet yeah, we've been talking for tonight. Uh, about 45 minutes, but th- you know, that time varies anywhere from half an hour to an hour and a half. Granted that hour and a half was more in the olden days when we, I didn't have to be up so early for things. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a big deal for me to stay up later, but still there's always quite a bit of uh pre-gaming going on. And Franken content uh, creation. Indeed. Although we don't start running Craig as early all the time. So some of that gets missed. A lot of it, though, like, I used to pull a lot of the pre-show, like, sort of inside baseball talk, but I don't do that as much anymore, because it's all basically the same, and you just swap out topics, it's like, hmm, so how long do you think we'll discuss this thing this week? Uh, so, pr- a pretty much our show in general. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if the jokes are better or worse at that point, though. <laughs> uh, yes. And... We have tea. Yes, I have my usual peppermint and honey. I have Earl Grey. Hot. Earl Grey. Lukewarm. Yeah, at this point it is Jean Lukewarm. Ah, ah, so bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just imagining uh, uh, that one episode where uh, they were on the... Enterprise, which, to be fair, is most of the episodes at that point. I was going to say, uh, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, where the Enterprise was frozen in time. Which one? Uh, where they were well, frozen in time. Uh, where they were coming back from that conference and they came across the Enterprise completely frozen. And uh, they were in engineering and there was a warp core breach and Picard drew a smiley face. Because he was going insane. <laughs> yeah. That one. Yeah. You know, Patrick Stewart doesn't look much older now than when he was playing Jean-Luc, and that's been 30 yeah, that's the thing, some is odd that, years ago. Uh, someone actually did a comparison of, because of the finale of the series was 30 years in the future, or thereabouts. So they did a comparison of what the producers thought uh, Patrick Stewart looked like in 30 years, and what he actually looks like in 30 years, and you know, like a, a wrinkle here and that's it. Yeah. But to be fair, you know, most of the shortcuts you would take for a character getting older, you can't take with him because he's already bald. (laughs) Indeed. He's been bald for a long time. Yeah, he went bald in one of his 30s? I don't know, actually, when he went bald. I've never known him in anything where he wasn't bald. 
I mean, I guess he did probably or has done a few things where he's had hair, like when he's had his sort of theater uh, time in his career, and then I've seen him on a couple things. Like I'm pretty sure he had hair in. Uh, uh, he became when he losing Scrooge. his hair at 19. Mm, dang. Good thing he That's pulls off the bald time. look. He does look very good with a bald head. Uh, well, he start he started getting his hair thinning uh, at. 19, and he was doing what he called a horrendous comb-over. So he went full, he went full shredded wheat. Yeah, I don't think there's a sing, a a non-horrendous comb-over. Oh, so Tim to just uh, do a Trump reference right now. Oh, wait, that's still my hair. If my hair, if I ever get a bald spot or like my hair gets so thin up in front, I'm just going to shave my head. Like, I've had long hair for over a decade now, and it would be really weird, but, like, I'm not going to do the comb over. I'm not going to no, be, no, like, no, completely no, no, bald no. on top and have a rat tail. No. No, here's what you do. You you take the Larry Fine approach. And that name is completely blanking on you. Yes. You, the, ball, uh, the three stooge that has the hair around his head. Oh, okay. That's no, Larry Fine. I don't do that. I don't want to do that. I want to do. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that look. <laughs> I would just shave it all. Then my head would be cold. I'd lose a couple of pounds though. I got a lot of hair. Uh, although something we don't have a lot of this week. Yeah, see what I'm doing there is games. Because you've only got one, and I've kind of got one and a half. One of them is real bad. Which I knew it was going to be. You said it was going to be, but it's one of those things of like. When you see a train wreck, you just can't turn away. <laughs> I was like, this looks like a train wreck. I just can't not. So. Well, to be fair, I said it looks bad. I didn't know if it was bad for certain, but uh, you know, it's mm, most likely. Oh, yeah. It's real bad. You want to go ahead and talk about it first because we've kind of led into it? Yeah, uh, sure. So, Kidoki. So, the first game I played this week if you could really call it a game, is Wasteland Survival on Steam. And this is a mobile game that has been... Does it count as a port if all the only thing they change is remove the word tap and replace it with click? Does that count as a port? Because that's the only difference between this and if you play it on a mobile device, which I did to test it out. The resolution is exactly the same, and it just, like, blows it up on your screen, so everything is all really big and awkward looking. Uh, You still have to click on the buttons that you would tap to, like, attack and stuff on your phone. You have to click on those. So even though it looks (laughs) like, you know, an isometric, you know, RPG, where you would just, like, click enemies and stuff, no, you don't do that. You have to just click the attack and hope that the auto-targeting hits the correct enemy, or the one that you want to hit. Uh, the dog dies, like, immediately. So, you Dude, know, spoilers. the screenshots that have the dogs in it, the dog dies immediately. And I guess you have to get another dog, or maybe you can heal that well, dog. Well, to be fair, it's like George Carlin said, life is a series of dogs. I don't think I've ever heard that George Carlin bit. He I've got to do most of his bits. Yeah, he was talking about having pets. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that one. I'll have to go find it and watch it later. <laughs> um, but anyways, I mean, it's just it's just a mobile game. 
after the first five to ten minutes, it's like, hey, here's the store with all the gear. Do you want to buy the pack that's $99 that gives you all the starting stuff? You can do that. And there's timers on everything. And, you know, if this was just like a straight up like ARPG or isometric RPG, you know, whatever, it might be okay. Like, it's a pretty solid concept that, you know, we haven't seen a ton because it's like most games that involve zombies are just like uh, sort of left for dead or pure survival, like or wilderness or days. Yeah, or Daisy. But this is, you know, build a little base, set up defenses. So, you know, the zombies come in waves at nighttime. You can clear out the area around your base every day uh, in order to, you know, get resources and stuff off the zombies. You can go explore other parts of the map. I mean, there's a bunch of different ones. The only couple that I unlocked was like a forest and uh, a beach. But on the map, like you can see there's a town and maybe a couple of towns and like a a plains area. There's a highway. It looks like the map extends even farther beyond what I had unlocked. And you just sort of, you know, you build up your little base and collect food and other survivors. Yes, I know there are a couple of games that do this pretty well. Um, and this is not I, one of them. No, it's not. But I'm not aware of one that does it in this sort of, you know, in this style of game. I guess is the way to say it. You know, the isometric type of thing. Um, and you could do something interesting with like you know a very loot based, uh, Diablo type thing, but zombie survival instead of you know dungeon crawling or dungeon rate whatever. You know, you could do something interesting with that sort of loot chase in a game like this that hadn't seen before. But then, no, they didn't do that. It's just a very standard mobile title that focuses very much on monetization and, uh, you know, pay to skip or pay to speed up. You can very clearly buy power. There's a PvP element in the game that I didn't really get to check out. But, I mean, you can buy better weapons and higher level gear and boosts and crap and then use that to fight enemies. They're kind of trying to copy a fallout aesthetic on some of this stuff as well. It's pretty noticeable in game. Like there's some stuff that's not listed on the steam store page, but there's like power armor that looks almost exactly like the powered armor from fallout. Um, and a number of, you know, wasteland type gear. Like, I mean, the game is called wasteland survival and the screenshot or the cover shot on Steam looks very much like something you would see, uh, like the Fallout 4 image, where it's the guy with his dog, or Fallout 3, which I think was also the guy with his dog. Like, very reminiscent scenes of that. So, you know, on a mobile device, you scroll through it, you think, ah, Fallout clone on mobile, but it's not. So, it's not good. It's a bad game all around. Uh, It would be bad on mobile, too. Because it's, you know, buying Yeah, but the bar would be so much lower. But the what? The bar. Oh. I mean, the biggest thing that... The biggest issue I have with it that would keep me from playing it on my phone is just buying power. Because, you know, I'm not going to spend money on that. I'm not going to be a whale. And I don't want to feed a whale. So, I'm I'm not interested. You don't want to be a whale and you don't want to be kelp. Yeah, I I didn't even play it for an hour. Like, you know, 
because it's a mobile game, it wants to open up to all that stuff as fast as possible. So within like 30 minutes or so, I was like, okay, this is basically everything this ha- this game has to offer, and I can just unlock new areas and things and have more stuff to spend money on. So, but I mean, like I said, I was like, you were like, this game looks bad. I was like, this game looks bad. But I was thinking about it, and I was like, this is kind of like, I think this could be like one of those train wreck type of scenarios where that it's just like, I can't look away. I have to like see how bad it is for my own eyes or with my own gameplay. And it was real bad. So, I mean, you know, it's your money if in your time if you want to want to put it into this. But I wasted my time, so you don't have to. That's it. That's all you got to say about that. That's all I've got to say about that. Uh, so, uh, from one mobile game to another, I guess we're taking turns this week then? Yeah, might as well. So, I'm uh, I'm still in the midst of my adventures on the Google Play Store with the new phone. And also, a lot of what I've played otherwise, I don't really have a lot to talk about. I've, I'm still on Yakuza 0 every so often. Still doing, oh, I'm doing Stardew Valley, of course, and doing Warframe. So, you know, not a lot to talk about on those three, even though Yakuza 0, I am on the new protagonist now. So I was right on it being dual protagonist, but it wasn't who I thought it was. Uh, But dun, 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 and the uh, groundhog turns around. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But I, I actually started playing this last week, but I didn't have enough time in it to really talk about. I played a bit of Grand Prix Story 2, which you played the original. I did this, indeed. Uh, this came out in February, so it's still pretty recent. Yeah, a month, uh, right at two months now. I was just looking at its release date. I haven't played the first one, so you're going to have to tell me how much they've changed, all right? It is a time management team management game time management as in there's a lot of timers there's a lot of uh yeah pick it up play it a little bit then put it down for a while which honestly is what i was kind of looking for for a mobile game uh to be honest so you know that's not a terrible thing for me this is kind of usurped to plants versus zombies in that respect and it doesn't feel as manipulative uh, as plants versus zombies to be fair you know that's a uh, low bar, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, in this year, I'm managing a racing team. And I'm just saying racing team because it's across a bunch of different disciplines. There's off-road racing, there's on-road racing, and then they have uh, wet weather and ice or snowy weather racing there, or the four disciplines that, are uh, essentially the four main track groups. With some of uh, the tracks being both on and off road, I'm not sure if it varies things up even more later on or not. But a lot of it is coming down to just you know uh, figuring out your how you want to manage things. And this game explains nothing to the uh, to the point that I think it's actually partially broken on the newest version of Android because there's times. It starts spitting Japanese out at me. Uh, it's a, sort of a pseudo town builder where the different 
uh, buildings of your complex, you have to kind of move and shift around to uh, get environmental bonuses to improve their production. Uh, it, you get refineries that produce fuel, which is essentially your stamina bar for how long you can play. You get a refinery that produces nitro that is uh, essentially your power boost for a short portion of a race. You get a building that produces research, and all these are affected by the environment around them. And essentially, the prettier your environment, the more production you get out of these buildings, for the most part. But the game doesn't really tell you also how leveling up works, uh, the various buildings. Like I said, it's I'm not sure how I really feel about this game overall, because there's a lot of... Well, let's, let's put it this way. Whenever I go to God tour it, there's a lot of we think or uh, based on the last game or based on the other games from this uh, developer. <laughs> that doesn't really fill me with confidence about your God, right? <laughs> yeah. So let me just say real quick before you go on. That whole building system is not in the first one at all. Oh, it's you not. get research by racing. So, well, you get research in a couple of ways. You get research by developing new cars. And so the more, you know, new cars and parts you develop and refine, uh, the more research points you get to put into upgrades, which lets you make better, faster cars and unlock new car bodies and chassis mm-hmm. and things like that. Okay. okay. And then and you get a one. certain well, amount of well, research well, points well, let me from go, racing uh, as well. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, you get via racing as well. In this, you don't get research via racing. You get research either via the building that produces so much on a timer Essentially, how they work the level system on the t- on the game, it makes sense when you think about it, but they don't tell you what the hell is going on. So every building has a timer on it, but it's constantly producing. So let's say a building produces 10 an hour, all right, of whatever, all right? Okay. So every six minutes, you'll get a resource, all right? Uh, thereabouts. Okay. Well, whenever you level up, what it does is it tells you that the space for the building, uh, you know, goes up. So let's say it goes uh, from uh, ten to twenty, but it doesn't highlight that the timer stays the same. So instead of getting a resource every six minutes, you get it every three minutes, and the text on the timer is unspeakably small and that's on a galaxy s 10 plus you know essentially a mini tablet <laughs> right yeah the i mean the galaxy line of phones is some one some of the largest on the market in terms of screen size yeah and if i'm having trouble reading text on that right yeah so it took me a while to figure out you know, exactly why I should be leveling because it talks about uh, leveling uh, being important, but nobody could really highlight the why because whenever I would go to the leveling screen, it would just say, okay, it's increasing the space. Okay, why? Why would I want that, right? Because I'm checking back every, like you know, every few hours to uh, grab stuff and race a little bit because in the very beginning of the game, you're running only one car. So the amount of fuel that you have is more than enough to be able to get to the next level. And once your overall team level levels up, 
your fuel resets. So, you know, it was, okay, why do I want this, right? Right. Well, also, I don't know if there's a free version of the first game. I got the paid version that was like two or three bucks. So I didn't, I didn't have fuel. I didn't have any kind of stamina. Just like, I mean, there's only so much you can do per week. Because as weeks roll by and you get towards races, like, you know, yeah, you kind of have to pick and choose what you're going to work on. But then the race comes and you do the races and then you get, you know, a cup two or three weeks before the next race. To uh, okay, this is completely different then because, okay, how this works is that they're basing it around the stamina system. So you're able to race as much as you want as long as you have fuel for it. You spend fuel taking your cars out uh, to the race and also international races, which are typically higher level stuff. Uh, require more fuel because you're going, you know, across country or uh, uh, or across continents, you know? So, yeah. uh, but they also have not really a daily race because it cycles four times a day, but a set of races that pop up that are a lot more difficult, uh, but they give uh, better uh, uh, rewards. And you get a particular thing for just completing the race. And then another thing, if you win the race. So, for example, you may get uh, experience eggs, which is the uh, well one of the ways to level up. Uh, you could throw pretty much anything at an item or a car to level it up. But eggs give more experience, and also certain items are essentially a multiplier for certain uh, parts or certain cars. Or you could just build another car or buy another of that part. So, for example, if you want to level up an engine... Uh, you could just buy another engine from the shop for the uh, uh, for the free currency and throw them together and it gives you enough experience to level it up quite a bit. Or you could get eggs either from racing or you actually get a chicken coop, all right? And you feed the chickens grain. <laughs> but in order to get grain, you either have to buy it from the shop for the premium currency or you go into versus races, which is essentially a a pseudo PVP, but you're not ex- exactly head to head. It's essentially a ghost of other players. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go in and depending on how you place, you get a certain amount of grain, but that also cuts into your stamina. So it's, you know, I never was maxed out on the amount of grain I had for my chickens. <laughs> so this sounds exactly like another one of the Kairosoft games that I've played before, which is Skyforce Unite. And I'm not going to talk about it very much, but that's a turn-based air combat RPG where you're like an air mercenary squad. But this is sounds like a lot of the systems that they have in that game, yeah, just where it has cars a, instead. Yeah, where it has a bit of a town management uh, system going on. Yeah, yeah, because you've got a base in Skyforce Unite that you have to build and like people to recruit to manage things. And yeah, there is you can a... level up buildings to get more fuel and mm-hmm. things to do dailies and stuff. This this sounds a lot more like that. Well, it's just that a bad thing or not? I don't think so. I mean, I played Skyforce Unite a ton a couple of years ago. I've talked about it on the show mm-hmm. before in yeah. pretty big depth. But, I mean, I played it like just like a regular old video game for three or four weeks. I got very far in that <laughs> game. Well, I've played it for about a week now, and I'm on the second uh, town, essentially. So once you get to a certain rank, uh, the mayor of, the t- of a, a nearby town comes in and says, Hey, we'll like you to uh, relocate your team to this town. It's a bigger place, so you'll have a second car. 
which is kind of a double-edged sword in more than one way because, of course, it's going to eat up more fuel, so you're, you know, you're taking bigger chunks of your fuel out, but you get more experience uh, for mm-hmm. your overall team. But this is my biggest problem with the game is that the AI for your teammates is fucking idiotic. All right. I haven't talked about the actual racing yet. And the reason for that is that there's not a lot of racing going on. It's all stat driven. So you're just kind of saying they're watching and giving commands, sort of like how motorsport manager works. All right. Uh, only really toned down. Uh, after leveling up enough, you have the option to tell them to use uh, Nitro, which Nitro is very slow to get. So, you know, it's a very situational thing. You tell them to slam on the brakes. You tell them to use curves, like a Formula One car. And uh, that's... Or you could tell them to use their aura, which uh, pops up occasionally after a race. And the higher level the character, uh, the driver, or the mechanic, the better their aura gets. So I've had blue auras until like today, and I just got a pink one, which is a higher level one. Uh, which uh, infers a bigger stat boost. So whenever you're racing, uh, you have uh, the qualifying, which also sets the stats for that race. There's a little bit of a range for your character. All, each of the characters have their set stats. But then it's based off the car, (coughs) sorry, Uh, weather conditions, track conditions, the type of track, because some cars are actually more suited for uh, certain types of track, and also different grades of car are uh, uh, better suited for certain situations. Like, uh, I just recently went to go-karts, essentially, and statistically, they're worse than what my better cars were. But because they're a higher grade, they had a multiplier hidden in them. And they have a bonus to on-road racing that my other car did not. And the game doesn't really tell you any of this. It's kind of figuring you know, figuring out as you go along. Which I don't have a problem with, but the game doesn't convey the information all that well. And at times, tells you conflicting information. Like the curse system. All right, the curse system has two uh, uh, tooltips, or, or two uh, you know, loading screen tips, which first world problems. I've had trouble actually reading the loading screen tips because my, loan, my phone uh, loads the game too quickly, right? Right, first world problem. But, okay, uh, the two tooltips are use curse to maintain momentum going around corners, all right? And I'm translating okay. a little bit because the game has some English going on with it where there's some rather rough translation from time to time. And let's just put it this way. The official Twitter feed for this is completely Japanese. So, right. Right. But then they say only use curves when you're going at, uh, at speed, essentially. So at a high velocity, aren't those two conflicting things? Yes. And this I would is say a, so. Yeah, and this is the only situation, but it's the most you know, egregious that I saw. That, you know, it's trying to figure out what the hell. So, just another quick comparison to the first game. Even though there's not a lot of driving options, there's way more than you get in the first one. 
you don't get any. It's a hundred percent stat based. I think the only thing you can do is to tell your driver to to drive hard, uh, so they'll drive more aggressively. But there's a chance they'll make mistakes and crash, or to drive normally. Yeah, and this you, one, but you, you definitely you have essentially a direct control over your driver slamming on the brakes, using the curse, using boost, or using the aura, which they could use the aura during the qualifying as well to get an overall stat boost uh, for that race, or hold it for the race for essentially like a super uh, bunch of acceleration. I've honestly found it better to be using it during qualifying so you get an overall boost. Yeah. But the, the, there's I, I, no So there's no nitro in the first one, mm-hmm. and the aura just triggers automatically and you get a higher chance of getting it the more you level up your drivers or if you match like a particular driver and car to a particular race it's good so you know using one of the off-road cars for an off-road race or a driver that's good yeah, for me i've had it but having uh, the off-road car for me i've had it triggering randomly as far as i could tell but also have a mechanic that has the cheerleader ability all the different uh Characters have different abilities that they can unlock, like uh, a, a, a mechanic can have the test driver ability. So whenever you're actually creating a car, uh, one of the steps that you eventually unlock, I haven't unlocked it yet, is taking it out for a test drive. Well, you could send your driver out, or you could send a mechanic out with the test driver ability, and they may give better uh, information and better feedback to boost your car more. Uh, there's a flat out boost uh, to the various aspects of the car. There's flat out boost to different types of cars. Um, one of my drivers, uh, they get they have a quick start ability, so they pretty much get a uh, like a Mario Kart esque boost uh, off the start line. You know what I'm talking about? Like the perfect start on Mario Kart. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But my other driver has a boost whenever she's uh, tailing a rival. So she's essentially drifting or, or drafting, sorry, uh, drafting behind the opponent's cars and then uh, pulling out uh, beside them and uh, quickly uh, passing them. So, yeah, there's a little bit of uh, yeah, figuring out, OK, who do I want to actually you know, focus on? Even though you can switch between the two drivers, it can be a little bit cumbersome to you know, keep track of. But like I said, the AI can be a little bit cumbersome because there's been several races I've lost, either flat out or lost positions on, because my two drivers start fighting one another for a position. Coming into a corner and you know, one driver just bumps the other one and slams her into the <laughs> into the, the tires, takes a bunch of damage on the car as well. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> right? Right. I don't. I'm sure that happened in the first one because your two drivers can sort of jockey for position. Yeah, but, but I don't remember that happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, uh, you know, micromanage them better to prevent it, but it's one of those things that you don't want to also, you know, interfere with their momentum if you don't have to. Especially the driver that uh, gets a, a good boost off of following another driver, because there was a, a few races that. I would micromanage the other one, the quick start girl. Yeah. And uh, essentially just drag her teammate along for the ride because she'd be uh, drafting off my uh, the other car and she would just follow along. 
uh, most of the races are single or single lap. There are a couple very short traps that uh, tracks that are multi lap, but they seem to be the exception to the rule. Uh, so far, I've unlocked, I would say, six different cars, and I'm uh, coming up at like level 25, 26. The big problem I have with it, though, uh, seems to be loot boxes. It okay. seems like a lot of the parts for the game are either locked away behind a lot of research, which I'll get to the research in a little bit, or you get them via loot box, which is the premium currency. Even though they are very generous with the premium currency, it's still frustrating. Because, you know, it, just how long can you play for free before, you know, you get the big ground wall, which I feel like I'm coming up towards. But also, I've been playing for a week. You know, on and off, of course. Right. So, you know, it's kind of figuring out, you know, have I had enough fun that, you know, the fact that even though they have loot boxes in it, uh, you know, it, uh, it didn't impact the balance that much? Yeah, I don't know. I, I will say that overall, they have been very generous with the premium currency. At one point, I had something like $20 worth of free currency that I've just won on races. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, for lack of a better term, daily race, uh, or the uh, timed race, uh, often have uh, at least a little bit of the premium currency in them as either just a completion event or for winning the thing. And that's uh, when they don't have research or they have some sort of other very valuable item. So the there is progression still available, but also it's one of those things that I'm not unlocking a lot of parts. I've had V8 engines for like the last four or five days now. And that's the second engine I've unlocked. So just, yo, uh, when am I going to get more parts, right? Right. And there's an entire section of the uh, research tree that I haven't even seen parts for. And I have the option to uh, research them. To improve them. So there's uh, two sections of research, all right? You have okay. research points and you have bananas. All right? One of the uh, uh, sections of research powered by bananas is via this building that's full of monkeys. No, I'm not joking. And it's essentially a flat upgrade and it also unlocks research for the other section of the research system which is the traditional research points that you probably had in the first game. Yeah. Probably. So, uh, the uh, monkeys, they take a while, but the only way to get bananas is via your fans, which you uh, rank up uh, your uh, following of fans via uh, doing well in races, and you get uh, experience points for the fans. And once you uh, follow up a level, they uh, send you a gift, and sometimes it's a banana. Because, you know, that'd be uh, totally be okay on the mail, right? Absolutely. Anyway, you feed the monkeys and they unlock the other research, which is probably like how the other game ran research, which is powered by research points that you either, you do get them from races occasionally, but that seems to be the exception to the rule, 
disassembling cars, uh, essentially pulling uh, completed cars apart, or uh, by your character class. Whenever you start a new game, you have a choice of something like four or five different classes that uh, are essentially a background for your uh, main characters, you, you know, the owner of the race team. And they and it seemed like I chose wisely because I decided, you know, getting research is probably going to be uh, very important in this game. So I picked that. So once a day, I get something like 40-some research points, which is still a pretty good chunk in this game. It's enough to teach a, a, a character, like, two rank one abilities or uh, one rank two ability to give you an idea. You know, that's a fair amount, right? For free. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the projects that the which also unlock via just ranking up are essentially research projects for the team. So it ties up a particular team for however long, usually somewhere between uh, 15 minutes to an hour or some uh, time. Uh, it does seem like there's going to be ones that are much longer, but I haven't hit any just yet. Uh, but it also seems to be a set timer, and it's not based on the stats of your team. So it's you know figuring out, okay, do I have a team that's specialized towards something? If so, I probably want to avoid them. Like, my secondary team is actually my uh, building team. Uh, they have uh, a really good mechanic that has uh, the car designer perk. That essentially is a multiplier to her stats. And then I have a aerodynamic guy that is good at the wind tunnel. That has decent stats. Not amazing, but good enough. So I try to keep that team as free as possible. So the other one gets uh, research duty. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, well, I've talked about two of the three types of races. There's the third type, which is the Grand Prix which is probably what was in the original game as well. It's a timed race. Or a set of timed races, I should say. Where okay. uh, right now it's five races, or at least the last one I completed. It seems to be it's uh, tied to the progression, at least to some degree. Uh, that and uh, unlocking licenses, which is just a, a fee to try to beat a track in a particular amount of time. It's essentially... A power gate, you know? Yeah, if you can't beat the track in this amount of time, you have no business going forward, right? Right. So the Grand Prix is actually uh, probably the, one of the more interesting modes. So you have a set of, you know, right now it's five races. It was three to start with, then there's four, so it's probably going to be more as I continue on. And you have a set amount of time between each race. So it's also kind of a check on just your overall managerial skills. Just, you know, do you have enough resources being produced to make it through the Grand Prix or the set of Grand Prix races? And do you have enough cars for the particular types? Like uh, the last one I did, it was uh, it was four races. No, no, no. The last one was five races. The one before it was the four. And it started with an, uh, two off-road races, so I had to make sure my buggies, my off-road cars, were repaired enough uh, to make the second race. Then there was a single on-road race for the carts, 
Then it went to a ice race. So I needed my buggies again. So it was a little bit of a, st a strategic decision. Okay, do I repair up the carts uh, to prepare for the last race? Or do I try to keep, uh, keep the buggies more... Uh, I give the buggies more health because they just had two races and then they have a third one in between uh, this and the last race. Which I actually enjoyed the, you know, kind of, you know, weighing the pros and cons of. Uh, each race has a timer in between it uh, that you cannot skip, I, I might want to add. Which um, I don't see why you'd want to skip it because a lot of this is uh, checking how much fuel you have, how much uh, nitro you have if you're producing nitro. Um, if you could repair your cars well enough to be able to make the next race or survive the next race, because if your cars go to zero, they could, well, explode. Not sure if that could kill the driver, actually. We have to check that. Uh, that would be interesting. But it's, you know, a lot of strategic decisions on the Grand Prix. And it makes it a lot tougher than just a series of races. But you could also go off and do other things while the Grand Prix is running. So you have that decision. Okay, I'm close to leveling up. If I don't level up, I'm not going to have enough fuel. Uh, you got to try to figure out how exactly to handle things. So, the, you know, there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, strategic decisions when it comes to the Grand Prix mode. And also leveling up cars. Uh, uh, the leveling up the cars does not take time and does not tie up your team. But enhancing your cars does. And it's kind of a weird system where, okay, let's just take the engines for example. Where as you level up your engine, it improves your speed and acceleration as you may expect, right? You know, bigger right. engine goes through more. Well, if you level up your engine and give it a plus one, it actually de-levels your engine, but it still gives you better stats. And the reason for that is that it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a sequence of levels. You know, each level is harder to hit. But that also, once again, ties up your team to be able to build up the engine. And if you're running multiple cars, you'll want to do a lot of different engines. And you also have to have the materials to do that. Plus the research points, which you could be running through uh, the research system to get more upgrades. And you can see where things get a little crazy, huh? Yeah. So uh, I'm taking this is very different than the first game. Extremely different. They're like pretty much two completely different games that just share a similar aesthetic and general goal. But all the research is completely different car building is different the way the races actually take place are different it yeah. sounds like leveling your drivers is different yeah leveling the drivers they still get <clears throat> levels uh, from the uh doing races as does mechanics but you could also build a building that you spend money and time with to uh, level your mechanics i assume the drivers will eventually get one as well but the mechanics seem to be more of a focus on this game because they're the ones that uh, uh, what derives your car's different stats. So uh, the building process is, uh, well, this is the developer that made game dev story. So you probably know how this is going to go, where it's a, uh, a set of three variables. 
and depending on uh, where you focus or what drive train you build on, on this one is where the kind of the focus for that car goes but also the drive chain can change the focus of the car or change what type of race that car is suitable for for example i mentioned buggies earlier you know you know dune buggies essentially well depending on the drive train you take it can make uh the uh the dune buggy very well suited for off-road racing but terrible for everything else or you could uh, make it for a more variable race or a race situation, but it's not nearly as strong, you know, jack of all trades, master of none situation. Uh, I take it that's not in the first game. No, not really. You just have, they just have stats that relate to different things. Well, I guess you could do that. You could focus their stats on something, but well, well, this is uh, based around uh, just yo. Know, well, for now, they may introduce more things later on because, like I said, I'm still progressing in this. And the fact that I haven't put a single penny into this game outside of you know, ad revenue, of course, because, of course, it has ads, right? There's an ad on Startup, either for one of their other games or like a five-second ad for you know something on Google Play. Uh, and then there's a banner at the bottom. You know, that that's how I've paid my time, all right? Yeah. Uh I would say probably the most egregious monetization is the is the loot box system just because, you know, uh, just how much are they bouncing around that? Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that was really highlighted here. Uh, occasionally there's uh boxes that you could tap uh on the screen during a race. Uh they are not loot boxes and they are not yeah, you know, timed uh, boxes like Elder Scrolls Blades. It's literally you tap them as they go by and you get an item immediately. Usually some sort of useful item as well. Uh, level up eggs, that sort of thing. I will say that progression has slowed down quite a bit, but it also I think I hit like uh, this valley where I was not quite strong enough for the next race, but I was too strong for all the previous races. to. You know, so it wasn't really a challenge anymore. But right before uh, recording tonight, I went through two uh, licenses pretty much back to back. But also, it may have just been because of how my research kind of panned out. Because I have my buggies as a as level two uh, buggies or buggies plus one essentially. So there, my off road racing abilities are very strong, but my on road racing abilities were not because I just didn't have the research to be able to. Uh, boost my carts enough and once you get past a certain point uh, on the on just the level system it kind of slows down unless you start p- getting uh, really good parts so you know that may have just been you know how things panned out for me gotcha oh uh, there is a friend system as well where uh, I'm pretty sure the game requires an internet connection but I actually didn't check that just didn't want to wrap my phone in tinfoil, you know? Yeah. The first one did not. Well, this has a friend system that it seems to uh, connect to whenever it starts up, but I'm not sure if it maintains it. Where every friend that you have, which also pops up at the beginning of the game, that you could uh, you know, send a friend request to a random person. And I've actually gotten a few as well. Uh, they, uh, For every friend you have, it sends you a gem of one of three... Uh, uh, shapes either 
uh, circle, uh, triangle, or square. And you can slot those into essentially an augment system for your team that gives a flat bonus to speed, acceleration, handling, boost the environment for your, uh, yeah, your essentially town builder. Because all the buildings have some sort of bonus for the most, well, for the, ex- the exception is like the construction team, the construction building that the team comes out of to build everything else. They're like the one of the few things that doesn't get a bonus for environment. But uh, a flat bonus there, a flat bonus to downforce, which I don't have a car that is affected by that yet. So uh, it, you get a sort of pseudo secondary progression system as you just get random friend invites. Which is interesting, right? <laughs> but I wonder yeah. you know, if you know, if the game has a long tail on it, you know? If that's going to be a problem in the future whenever you know, people have moved on from this. And how much they bounced around that. But any questions? No, I don't think so. I think I overall I've enjoyed it, but I have been frustrated by it as well. Just because, you know, my teammates doing something stupid or... You know, uh, spending a lot of my in-game currency to build uh, cars that, you know, I just don't get good dice rolls for. But, you know, that's the nature of the beast, right? Right. I will say that if you are impatient, this is not a game for you because there are a lot of timers. Especially um, in the beginning, you know, just building out your uh, uh, first few buildings. And it takes quite a while to be able to start producing nitro for the boost. There is a shop item that gives you a little bit of nitro for for in-game currency. Well, I, I should say the free currency. Uh, but it seems like the nitro is what really they trying to bank on people buying. That or just, you know, rolls of the loot box. But I've just, really it's become a, you know, too good to use situation. So I just, you know, don't use it. <laughs> and save it for the very hard races. And just let the... Well, the chips fall where they may for the others. Or just use curse. Oh, that is one other thing, is that the curse, it maintains between races, which I found really weird. Okay. Uh, and it works like uh, curse in real life, where as the car slows down, you know, brakes, it builds up essentially a battery uh, of accelerators to use later. In real life, that doesn't work like that. <laughs> So the fact that you could essentially run easy races to kind of build up your curves and then go tackle a hard race is a way to do a, like a pseudo uh, turbo charge. But then again, you know, I don't know when to use it because it tells me two different things. <laughs> hmm. That's an interesting thing. Interesting I don't know, contradiction, self-contradiction or something. I think the, I think the curve system in it is uh, a way to get players to kind of go back to the earlier races that are very easy just to build it up and then tackle a hard race without having to use the turbo or the nitro boost, you know? Yeah. Grinding a little bit for a, a boost. Which, you know, it also gives the experience and it gives the money. So, you know, and you do a, a occasionally get items that bump up the difficulty on individual races. And also, well, just because I'm running two cars, you know, my money, also, my income also not quite doubled, but close to it because, you know, it's, you know, 
uh, it's based on individual position. So, you know, first and second doesn't give quite double the money, you know? Yeah. I would say a good, uh, you know, kind of time waster. They do give a free taste of the loot box system, which is, you know, manipulative. But then again, you know, that's like, that's that's a very low, that's a very unscummy move in in, uh, mobile gaming these days, huh? It's just par for the course. Uh, Okie dokie. So, me again? Yeah. So you talked about this for longer than I think I'm going to talk about EVE Online. Oh, that's a shock. I I don't have a ton. I mean, just in case you've never heard of EVE Online before, maybe you're, and also you're unaware of my history with it, new listener to the podcast or something like that. I'm sorry. EVE Online is a space MMO with a nearly 100% player-driven economy where everything except some very, very, very basic items uh, are completely 100% crafted by the player base. It's ammo, weapons, ships, uh, upgrade items, like everything is crafted by the players and then market value is determined 100% by supply and demand uh, and things such as that. I mean, you know, there's market manipulation and there's a lot of in very real world parallels that come into play in eve online just because you can do things like manipulate the market in this game to uh, earn shitloads of money every once in a while there's a big old battle where that they compare like how much real world money was lost in game if you went and converted the currencies out because there is there's a couple of things that you can purchase uh, the primary one being plex which is this game's sort of premium currency. Plex has always been a thing in EVE, but it's much more so now because they have a free-to-play model where previously you could either buy game time like a traditional MMO, pay for a monthly subscription, or you could uh, buy Plex from other players and then use that to activate one month of game time. So it was a way to help... uh, You know, you could play for free before if you... Uh, worked very hard and did a lot of grinding or were very high up in a corporation, which is this game's equivalent of guilds or, you know, figured out ways to cheat the system or whatever to get the Plex. Like you could, uh, you know, gank people and steal it from them in order to get game time and things like that. Most of the time players didn't fly around with it on their ships, but every once in a while you'd get somebody who was doing that. So you could uh, get a bunch of game time by doing that. Carrying the neon sign, kill me. Yeah, basically, it's carrying a kill me, because people would do just about anything, even, like, get themselves blown up and lose tons of equipment and stuff in order to get a plex from somebody. Because if you attack someone unprovoked in high-security space, which is basically the PvE zones of the game, like, purely PvE, the in-game police descend upon you immediately, and they're invincible. But if you're fast enough and have a powerful enough ship, you can gank somebody, and then someone can come up behind you and just scoop up the remains and get that plex. So you could coordinate to do some piracy in high security space and still come out on top because it's, you know, basically you just scored 15 real world dollars worth of in-game stuff that you could sell for a shitload of in-game cash or just use to uh, use yourself in order to get a month of game time. 
So that's kind of always existed, but the game has got a free-to-play option and the accounts are separated into Alpha and Omega, with the Alpha being the free-to-play character that has some restrictions. Most of the heavy economy-bound stuff in the game, the Alpha level or the free players can't do. You have very limited uh, mining, harvesting, planetary interaction, and very minor marketing stuff. You have reduced market slots to buy and sell from. And that's mostly done as a way to prevent a whole bunch of people creating free-to-play accounts and manipulating the markets. Uh, There's also some very high-level spaceships you don't have access to if your account is in alpha state. Even if you previously had the Omega state, which was paying for monthly access or paying for uh, game time via Plex or something... Um, so you don't like lose those skills, you still keep them, but you can no longer utilize them. So there's ship types you can't use, but you can use all the way up to battleships for any, uh, of the races. Um, you have to sort of pick one and specialize in it to get all the way up to battleship in it. But as a free player, you can use battleships and all of the, uh, tier one tech equipment, which is the basic unspecialized stuff. So a huge part of the game is open to free players. You can do exploration, you can do combat, um, you can do mission running. There's still a good deal of mining you can do on sort of the lower end. So if you do want to do some of that, there are some builds you can get into on the free-to-play side that makes it viable as like a way to fund yourself as a single character. You wouldn't contribute much to a corporation um, or be able to really play for free that way. But you could do some basic stuff to get yourself gear and earn steady income that way. Uh, but I would say probably 80% of the game is completely available to free players. Um, they've made some changes since this program was introduced and this is sort of where it's at now. Um, so a large portion of the game is open to free to, to people who want to play for free. My personal history with the game is I have had a very big problem in the past with Eve. I don't have a traditionally uh, addictive personality, but I had a big problem with Eve and spending so much time in it and basically letting it consume my life for a while. And a couple of years ago, I just quit because that was the best thing for me at the time. I was moving. I was starting a new job. Um, Before, when I had really played Eve, I was still in school, you know, sitting in working on my master's degree, sitting in class for long periods of time, doing my internship, seeing clients at a much lower frequency. I didn't have as much going on with my family. My kid was still in the baby to early toddler stages, so he didn't really do very much. Um, But, you know, all of that stuff started to change, and I was, you know, getting more responsibilities, basically, and Eve was unbalancing my life because I was focusing too much on it. And so I just dropped it, and I didn't play for a little over two years. And they recently had a free weekend. You could get one week. No, what was it? You got a starter pack, which came with some like some ships and some equipment and a couple of other things. But the thing that I, you know, I would get the most out of was the one week of Omega time for your character, your, your Steam character, or your Steam account. Because I've got two EVE accounts. One is a Steam-based account, and the other one is much older from before it was on Steam. So it's actually through um, you know, their site, and I have to log in using uh, you know, a username and a password as opposed to it just being linked to my Steam account. 
so the steam one is omega and the non-steam one is is alpha so i was able to kind of do some comparison between the two with that but you know i had been wanting to kind of check it out again anyways and just kind of see like have i changed and become you know more mature as an adult and have better willpower to not let it sort of do that my life is completely different from where it was before in a number of ways. And the way I play games has changed a lot. Um, I do a lot more during sort of the day when I'm at work and things like that. I do a lot of sort of passive gaming, more mobile gaming when I have downtime between clients. At nighttime, a lot of the games that I play when I'm unwinding are things that just sort of allow me to decompress and listen to podcasts while I play them. Um Eve is a game that's very conducive to that. You can play it fairly passively and still accomplish a lot. Um, and so I was like, well, I wonder, you know, if I can, I can do this. And then so far it's been, been pretty good. Uh, I spent a couple of days over the weekend just sorting through my stuff because I have a shitload of stuff. I mean, someone who's been playing nonstop for, you know, years would obviously have way more than me, but I have basically enough cash and assets to play for about four months on Omega time without actually having to spend any real world money, um, buying in-game or buying in-game Plex at its current market rate. I could play for three or four months with what I've got without doing anything else to make money or anything. So I, I was sorting through all of that. I joined a new corporation so that I could get access to some of the new stuff that's come out in the game. I was going to fly solo, but They've really revamped a bunch of the in-game uh, economy and market for doing things like manufacturing and refining resources. It's much better to be in a corporation for that now than it used to be. So I joined one that's very chill and laid back. And basically, I was doing this little experiment that I'm like, you know, I'm going to play it for a week, you know, free, no strings attached, no money involved. Let's see how I do. If I'm doing okay, then I'll probably get one month of Omega time using my in-game money and see how it goes for a little long term. Make sure I don't start obsessing over it, but I have been doing really well with it. Um, it hasn't taken over my life like it used to be. I don't know how much of that is. I'm very aware of it. So I'm being very careful with it. Or if I've just changed a lot as a gamer, it doesn't give me the same sort of tingly feeling it used to, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, it definitely gets closer than like Astrox Imperium, which I talked about two or three weeks ago, which sort of sells itself as Eve offline. And I, I, I know what the difference is now, like having played them both sort of back to back is that Eve does two things that no other game can do that I've seen so far. The first is the scale of the game. Like some of the smaller systems to go from one side to the other are 50 or 60 AU, which is astronomical unit, and one AU is roughly 150 million kilometers. So the size of each sector is massive, and there's thousands of sectors that you can inhabit and explore and do things like put, you know, player structures down. You can colonize planets and use them for manufacturing and stuff like that. This, the huge scope of the game is something that doesn't exist in very many other games. And as far as I'm aware, not in any other space game. The games that get closest to it are the X series, but even they don't quite hit the size that Eve has. 
And then the other portion is like, I know that everything that I do is involving other real people. Like everything that I produce and sell and use to, you know, further my own stuff in game. I know that real people are interacting with that. And that just does something in your brain is like, it's more satisfying than grinding for, you know, 10 hours in a single player game for the same sort of thing and nothing against single player games. Like I'm, this hasn't like made me be like, Oh yes, all of these, this time I've put in Factorio or other games that are similar, like build up resources and do stuff with it. Like, I don't feel like that's a waste. My opinion hasn't changed on those games, but there is an extra little bit of satisfaction that comes from knowing like, okay, this stuff is being interacted with by other real people. And even if it's like a tiny thing, like, this is making a difference in their gameplay. And that's something that I won't say is not in any other game, but is pretty rare in other games, especially to this scale. So those two things missing from games or other, other games I've tried or have played that are supposed to be sort of in the vein of Eve, uh, have not given me that. So I don't know. I think I, I do this thing where I sit down, like if I'm trying to figure something out and I'm like, Okay, so if I was a client seeing me for therapy, what would I tell this person? And so I sat down and I had that little conversation with myself. And, you know, this does have some So you potential. said self? Yes, so self. Uh, but, you know, this game does carry some potential risks for me. Becoming very habitual, addictive, things like that. But it's not on the same level as... Uh, a drug or alcohol addiction. And I have worked with people before who want to learn how to limit and control their habits better so that they can be, you know, enjoy things that they like, but maintain a more, you know, appropriate balance in their life. And so I set up some boundaries and some guidelines for myself and have trusted and entrusted people in my life to help me stick with them. Mostly a couple of friends that I see or uh, several people that I see regularly, like in my actual day-to-day living, like Katie, uh, which is my wife for anyone listening who doesn't know that, uh, and a couple people that I work with who know that like I play games and stuff on my downtime to keep an eye to make sure that like my paperwork standards and stuff aren't slipping, um, to just help keep me in check. And I've been good for one week. Uh, it'll be, I picked it up the the free trial thingy on Thursday. So this Thursday will be one week. Um, and as long as I don't have some ma- major disaster between now and then, I'm going to get a month. And if I do well for a month, I'm probably going to subscribe for either three months or six months just for that you know, little bit of a discount that comes from doing it all at the same time. You know, it's not a lot, but a few bucks saved on something that I know I'm going to use is still a few bucks saved. Uh, and just go from there. I mean, this isn't something I'm going to talk about every week. I might have like a story here or there like I used to, of like corporate espionage or whatever. But I tried really hard to pick a very chill, laid-back corporation. I don't want to get into any shenanigans. I'm not looking to steal from a bunch of people anymore. Yet. Probably. But, you know, I mostly just, like, want those bonuses and want some friendly people who are also older that are like, hey, we also have lives and kids and jobs and don't play, you know, 80 hours a week and expect you to do that too. So I think I've, I've got that in game and I've got these systems set up in my life to hopefully keep me in check. And if all goes well, I'll get to 
go back to enjoying something that I have missed and does help me relax a lot, decompress a lot, and deal with some of the sort of emotional distress I face on a daily basis. Because I can just go and like zone out for a little bit, mine some space rocks, check on some planets, do a little exploring, just whatever. And Eve does fit a bunch of different roles. If you want to go be passive for a while, you can be passive. If you want to be active, do some mission running, some combat stuff, or be more sociable, you can do all those things. It's kind of nice, nice spread of activities that you can participate in. So I do want to say thanks to the people who were like, hey, man, you haven't played Eve in a long time. Is everything okay? I had several people from our community check up on me. And I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I didn't feel like anybody was being pushy or obtrusive. I've talked about it a lot uh, amongst all of us. I've not kept it a secret that it was a problem for me in the past. And who knows, it might still be a problem for me now. And uh, I, I appreciate that. And it lets me know that you guys care. So thank you very much for the, the folks who checked up on me. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was being bad or not linking you that. You were... I was feeling conflicted. It's fine. You know, I mean, maybe you were being a little bit naughty, but I'm an adult, you know, and and all somewhere between all and most of that responsibility for my own actions fall, you know, falls on me. Like I could have said, no, there's been plenty of times I've said no to stuff that I've seen to Eve over the last couple of years. I had to say no when they first announced the free to play aspect. I was like, well, I could just be the alpha account that's more restricted. And I was like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that. So, but I mean, I've definitely grown a lot as a person over the last few years. And definitely my life is very different. And those two things, I think, were what really made me be like, you know what? I might dip my toe back in and just make sure, you know, just take it slow and see how it goes. But I mean, I've been enjoying my time. I really have. And it feels good to be back. Um, kind of like when I came back to WoW after not playing it for a while. I played that for a few months uh, last year and then moved on from that. This might be that too. I don't know. But it just feels good to not be, at least at this point, so restrictive on myself. But, you know, if somebody sees me playing Eve for like 12 hours straight, please feel free to check in. There's also a good possibility that I went to bed and forgot to close the launcher. That happened to me already because... You know, when you go to launch it, it launches the launcher and then you launch from your account. But I forget all the time, like I exit the game and I'm like, okay, the launcher's closed and it's sitting, you know, on my second monitor, oftentimes behind, you know, a, whatever else I was doing, Discord, a YouTube video, something. And then it just stays there open. So if I've been playing E for 12 hours, just be like, hey, are you okay? Did you leave the launcher on or are you playing? Have you been playing for 12 hours? And if I don't respond, then that means I left the launcher on. If I do respond, or you've gone, I promise uh, to be honest. The, or you've gone off the deep end. Yeah, I mean, if I've got off the deep end, I promise to be honest with you. You being collectively anybody who asks, not just you, Rage. The common you. It's the opposite of the royal we. Indeed. Indeed. So yeah, that's uh, games that we played this week. Much like our next topic? <laughs> sure, we can just jump on in on that. <laughs> that's fine. There'll be a smash cut or something. 
you try and read this one off. I fucked it up hardcore for the the intro. I'm not sure I got it right the second time either, but how about uh the secret server for City of Heroes? Secret City of Heroes emulator operators address score leak drama rebut personal info database rumor. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, but I also went slower than you. That's true, you did. Um, yeah. So, City of Heroes, so, that was a thing back in the day. <laughs> that was literally about what I what I was about to say. I was about to say, so City of Heroes, that was a thing. Yeah, uh, well, outside of a select group, I don't think a lot of people really paid attention to City of Heroes after it shut down, because it, it was really popular for a while, then it kind of trailed off. Like this was, uh, City of Heroes, I think it was a victim of coming out at the wrong time. Because it was right before the big resurgence of uh, superheroes. It, superheroes were popular, don't get me wrong. But this was before the Marvel Universe really started kicking off. You know, the, uh, there was the first couple Spider-Man movies, and I think that was about it. Maybe Iron Man? No, Iron Man was like 2007 or 2008. City of Heroes released in 2004. Yeah, well, I'm talking about or when no. it shut down. 2004. Yeah, let's see. Uh, it shut down in 2012. November 30th, 2012. So this was right after or right before the Avenger, the first Avengers movie. So in other words, about the worst time to shut down a superhero MMO, right? Yeah. That was still making money. That's the thing. That's That's the thing that always got me was they shut it down while it was still profitable. I mean, I realize athletes want to go out on top, but MMOs, really? Yeah, right after April 11th, 2012 was when Avengers came out. So pretty much as soon as everybody realized, hey, wait a minute, superheroes are a thing. They shut down essentially the premier superhero MMO. Yeah, not almost the only, not the only. There were a couple others. There were City of Villains as well. Well, uh, City which, of Villains yeah. was an expansion to City of Heroes. It was essentially the same thing. It was kind of a smooshed together thing. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was its own no. game that was like the same, but like, you know, you could be did like City of Heroes or City of Villains. No. I, I never played them. I was aware I, of them, I, but I, I never played them. I was interested in it, but this was uh, during a time that I was not playing MMOs. And I was like, oh, do I really want to pay a. F- uh, yeah. Uh, buy in and then pay a subscription to see if I like it and I decide not to and then they shut it down so that yeah that didn't really matter yeah but this was during the time when I was playing WoW and then shortly after transitioned to EVE Online yeah so. and that's the thing is that MMOs typically are uh, you know a person plays one subscription MMO and that's it mm-hmm. you'll get the odd duck every so often but usually it's one per person yeah so during this, towards the end of City of Heroes' lifespan, a private server initiative was kicked off to build, well, a private server. For those who don't know, it's essentially a hacked-together uh, server run by players to emulate a uh, live server. Usually either for a very specific reason or just to cheat to just, you know, goof off in the game. 
uh, WoW has them, EverQuest had them. You know, pretty much any MMO you can think of either has or had them. So this initiative was kicked off just before City of Heroes, uh, you know, had the plug pulled. And they kind of went underground for the last, what, eight years? <laughs> yeah, so 2012 to 2019, so seven years. So the fact that they kept this a secret is amazing, one. But whenever you hear about how they kept it secret, it's not exactly a big shock. And click here to find out how. <laughs> Ten reasons why. <laughs> Number seven will mystify you. So, essentially, they were doing invite-only, trolling the... And I use the old form of trolling, you know, just looking at people and figuring out, uh, you know, uh, uh, hunting for people that were players back in the day and would personally invite them with an NDA, you know, essentially a gentleman's agreement at this point, to keep the server secret. And anybody that leaked it, they had a... A few of the people that were playing it were mods of the subreddit and would delete conversations about it and actually gaslight people saying that they were lying and crazy. I mean, th th this is just astonishing, isn't it? This is, this is Eve level last, uh, crazy, right? <laughs> this is, yeah. I mean, this is conspiracy theory levels of stuff. This is on a level that Eve could only dream of with this time scale. Yeah. So, one of the people decided, you know, it's not fun keeping the game to myself, and he leaked it. And he also revealed a few, uh, you know, a couple interesting things. One, the mods of the subreddit being behind a cover-up of it, but also the fact that they have the personal info, or at least the character info, of the old live game. Which is a huge, huge concern to me. Yeah. You know, there's varying levels of potential concern depending on how much stuff they have from the old the old game. But having the character data and you needing your old login information or at least, for it. Or at least the old uh, name. The the old character name, uh, the what essentially server you're on. Uh, your login ID. Essentially, they were vetting you based off of a backup from the live game. And if you played back in the day, and actually, I don't know if you had to be a certain level or not. I would assume so if they were, you know, uh, making sure, you know, it was people that were dedicated to the game. Because the guy that uh, did the video that's going to be in the article that's going to be in the show notes vglpodcast.podbean.com ding <laughs> uh, he brought in or tried to bring in several people and only a few actually made it through the vetting process and I'm you know, I'm not 100% sure what the actual requirements are because you know it was the admins of the server that were doing it so it's you know the fact that they, they had that info though and could probably go look and see, okay, well, this guy was, you know, he was a low-level player. We don't want him. You know, gatekeeping, essentially, right? Yeah. It's just crazy, huh? 
The fact that yeah, it, the level of of everything that went into this, the level of conspiracy that went into this, the secret server. Oh, uh, show title. The secret server. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Plus, it uh, is reminiscent of the secret of uh, the secret wars. From Marvel. Mm-hmm. See, I know a little bit of Marvel. You do. Good job. To be fair, that was highlighted on the Spider-Man uh, animated series in the 90s. Yeah, there was the Secret Wars and the that had to do with the Skrulls when they were had infiltrated everyone and everything. I won't, I won't get off on comic stuff, actually. I'm just going to stop well, before I get well, started. Well, this version of the Secret War involved about, uh, I want to say, like 10 different uh, uh, pseudo-random uh, Marvel characters. Because, you know, you had Iron Man in th- there, which back then wasn't a big character. Or wasn't a big character in the you know, public conscious. Uh, the random X-Men they picked, I think it was Storm... Because, you know, Storm was a very popular one, right? Uh, I don't... The X-Men have always been really popular. Yeah, but Storm? I, Storm may have been in and out of favor. Like, well, well, I mean, well, Wolverine, this, well, this was, uh, Magneto. Th- this was uh, during the animated series for the X-Men. So, you know, the big ones were Wolverine that they pushed in Jubilee. As, like, the, you know, the, uh, the viewer insert character. Yeah. Cyclops was still a douche, though. Yeah, always. Cyclops is always a dick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is a huge article that I would rec. And there's like a 30 minute YouTube video that yeah, if you're I, really yeah, that I only got really interested. Through. <laughs> yeah, I I read through most of the article, but some of it I don't understand because I didn't play the game. So there's some things they're talking about. I'm like, I'm not 100 percent sure. Like, or there was also to- some comments on. Uh- well, r slash games that was saying that they were running a money shop as well, which, you know, that's trouble. <laughs> yeah. Because usually uh, the way that they get around it is uh, through uh, copyrights and, IP and uh, intellectual property is saying that it's fair use. Well, fair use is based around not making money on it for one. Or, yeah, you know, that's one, you know, uh, essentially sniff. So, yeah, it's... There's a, you know, if you're interested in this, this is a deep rabbit hole you could go down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, this does prove that, you know, you can keep these uh, projects secret. And that's something that we talked about quite a bit before whenever, you know, other fan games would pop up and get a cease and desist. Is that, you know, you don't announce a fan game until you're releasing it. Well, <laughs> yeah, or in, until right after you released it. That way it can be widespread and much more difficult to stamp out. Uh, but I imagine that this is going to be popping up probably again, in either if not next week, then the week after. Because I imagine this is going to get a cease and desist because Tabola Rasa, NCSoft's other MMO that they killed. Remember, this was Richard Garriott's MMO shooter. Uh, it... it had a fan project as well, which I know is shocking. Yes, there were fans of that game. <laughs> see what I did there? I see what you did there. Sorry, I just... The only thing I know of Tabula Rasa is 
Well, for one, it means blank slate, but also Yahtzee's video of it. <laughs> Actually, I haven't watched Yahtzee's stuff in a while. Yeah, I keep up with him. Oh, uh, well. I don't watch everything. Occasionally, there's something I'm not interested in, but I watch most of his stuff. I haven't watched in a, uh, quite a bit, but then again, the Escapist Magazine's uh, website, uh, it seems like their video player just hates me. Oh, I just watch it on YouTube. It's a week behind. Uh, when it goes up on the mm-hmm. escapist, but I don't care about that. But anyway, 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 uh, they saw what happened with Tabila Rasa. That's why they went underground in the first place because they wanted to have the private server, and then it turned out to, you know, be like you know, the the safe harbor <laughs> for uh, city heroes. Yeah. It's just such a it's a fascinating thing that they've pulled off, and I understand why these companies usually have to shut down these uh, private servers. Uh, even if the MMO is dead, because usually there's some sort of proprietary software or uh, you know, framework going on that they can't license out, so they have to shut it down. Yeah, because most of these uh, MMOs they don't uh, you know, build everything in uh, house, so you know they license out the engine or license out uh, the networking code, and the fact that you know they can't give a license to that, yeah, kind of you know torpedoes a lot of these projects. I understand that. I still think it sucks, don't get me wrong, but I understand it, you know? Yeah. Well, I talked about Perpetuum a few weeks ago, which is a game that is... The developers just passed on the code to some very, you know, interested fans and were like, here, you do it. Because they owned... Like, they owned all the rights to their own game. And so when they had to shut it down for financial reasons, they could just pass it off and choose not to take legal action. And that's what they did. And that's, you know, yeah, essentially giving up the copyright. Yeah. And that's been running for a couple of years at this point. And I mean, anybody can get access to the code and start their own server. Like I mentioned, there was, there's the official one or the official fan server. The server official. Yeah. The, as close to official as it can officially be one. Um, but you know, if I wanted to, I could start uh, official my own lowercase. private perpetuum server. L- lowercase on official. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 in some ways, I really like this story. It's like, wow, a group of very passionate people who wanted to protect their, their game from legal action and stuff kept this huge secret for years on the internet. But on the other hand, like, there's some shitty gatekeeping mm-hmm. and there's potentially, like, they've got a lot of people's private information, but, you know, and, Sure, it's the internet, everybody's identity's been stolen at least once, yada yada, blah blah blah, but it's like, you know, I don't want to make it easier for someone if the data falls into the wrong hands and it has stuff in it that it, you know, shouldn't. So, you know, there's there's stuff in this that's like, oh, that's neat, and stuff in this that's like, mm, that's really shitty. Um... And so. I'm just looking through the comments on Reddit, and there's people attacking the guy for leaking it, saying that uh, he's uh, kind of shitty for leaking it, but at the same time, he does make a good point that, you know, it's a secret that uh, the fact that they've gatekeep, uh, gate uh, kept this, gate keyed, whatever the pa- proper pants tense is, uh, for so long and have made essentially a closed pool of players that it's not as fun as a wide open MMO. And I definitely see that. And I can see why people are also pissed at him for, you know, you know basically going to get this server shut down. I'll be shocked if they don't issue a cease and desist. Yeah. 
yeah, I'll be really surprised if that doesn't happen sooner rather than later. Maybe. Yeah, because this is only probably broke before this episode last, even goes live. Yeah, this broke within the last day. So I don't know if, yo, there's been an update to this or not. But the fact that, you know, I can see why people would be pissed about losing their server, but at the same time, the fact that they had the mods of the subreddit gaslighting people. I mean, we get enough gaslighting in politics. We don't need it in our video games as well. Even though, yeah. gotta be fair, that the major, major publishers do kind of pull that one on us as well. So, Yeah. But we, so, don't need, we don't need more. How about that? Yeah. Agreed. We definitely don't need more of it. Um, but uh, does that move us on to our kind of general topic that it's kind of related to this, it, just, uh, something that kind of is like, huh, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of, we got to talking a little bit about this and, uh, you know, it, essentially we'll, why aren't there more superhero games? What is it about them that makes them not successful or whatever? Well, not to um, say that they're not successful. I mean, I think that's a little bit unfair. How about, how, why are they not more popular? Because, you know, we do have superhero games out there. We have DC uh, Online still. Uh, but that's more popular on consoles than PC, as far as I can tell. But it's still chuggling along. There's Champions Online, but that's n- that never had the popularity. It's kind of a secondary thing. Probably the most popular successful superhero games in recent memories are the Lego ones. You know, Lego Marvel and mm-hmm. Lego DC. Yeah, which, you know, the Lego games are their own, you know, little playground. Uh, I would say uh, Marvel, uh, 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 shoot, the uh, the ARPG. Marvel Heroes. Marvel Heroes, yeah. I would say that was pretty popular for a while until they got, that, that got axed. And I think that was due to licensing. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, there's Marvel Puzzle Quest, which is a mobile title, which is Puzzle Quest, but Marvel-themed. That's pretty good. Actually, I didn't check that. There's the new Iron uh, Man VR game. Yeah, uh, Disney coming. cut the, uh, the license for it. Uh, for yeah. Marvel Heroes. That's why it shut down. There's the new Iron Man VR game that's coming... What else is there that's superhero? I mean, Batman. I mean, if we, know, o- I mean, if we open Arkham it up, games. I mean, uh, we have Deadpool from a while back. Yeah. Which was... They got re-released mm-hmm. or remastered or whatever it was they did with it. But I would say that the reason why we don't get a lot of hero games, uh, for one, well, one is just licensing. Because licensing costs for these are just absurdly expensive. Because, yeah, it's multi billion dollar properties right yeah especially if you go to something like especially Spider-Man. now i mean well, well we do have the recent spider-man game but that's not really telling the story of the cinematic uh spider-man it's a it's like its own little side story right yeah i forgot about the spider-man game because it was a, a PlayStation I did too. it's a playstation exclusive yeah but okay, so there's a new Marvel Ultimate Alliance game coming out this year. Okay, so there is some out there, but there's there's one thing in common with all of these licensing. We don't see any kind of create your own hero games. It's something like um, Infamous. 
Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, shoot. And uh, there was... Now I'm blanking on the other one that was kind of... Uh, it was released at the same time. Oh, damn it. I think I know which one you're talking about, I think. Because you, like, can transform into a monster mm-hmm. or something. and Yeah, you had, like, a symbiote or something. Uh, yeah. It was on the PlayStation 2. Um, but, but, but it's going to bug me if I don't find it, so I'm going to have to try to find it. Well, you look, you can look for that while I, I talk for a second. I think licensing, definitely an issue for a lot of third party developers. Um, but I mean, Marvel Studios, for example, has got all the money and is owned prototype. by Disney. Yeah, prototype. But, and is owned by Disney, who has a, all of the fucking money. So licensing from that perspective, like if the game were to be successful, wouldn't be as much of an issue between the two of them. I think one problem that video game movies had, or not video game movies, superhero video games had, although that's kind of like a Freudian slip for the point I'm about to make, but was that a lot of times they were just made like in recent memory, a lot of them were made as just video game tie-in movies. Because the Marvel first wave movies, uh, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, I guess Iron Man 2, oh yeah, that's in the first wave, Iron Man 2, and, ooh, there's one more, Captain America, he had, he had one. They were all just really shitty movie tie-in games. Most of them were kind of generic third-person action games. A lot of them didn't even have any of the actual actors from the films. And, I mean, they did use the Marvel Animated Series voice actors, which I think are great, but a large chunk of that audience was coming from the movies, not from the comic books or the animated series. So they want to hear, you know, if they're playing those games, they want to hear Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and, you know, et cetera. And, and you just added that. a zero to your budget. Yeah. I mean, you did definitely just add a zero to your budget for that. And those were made by a lot of double A studios, you know, specifically as movie tie-in games, and they weren't great. I played a couple of them, and they just weren't good. And at a time when really that was all starting to ramp up, and companies, you, I mean, you know how big companies will do, is that they'll try something, and if it doesn't work, instead of trying to refine the idea or go back and be like, why did this not work? Maybe if we had done X or Y, it would be better. They'll just abandon it in pursuit of whatever uh, an industry trend is that looks like it's going to make them like 16 kajillion dollars. And so at a time when uh, going and refining some of these games and doing more to make them you know, more playable, enjoyable games with uh, a larger amount of depth, they just abandoned them. Because after the first wave of Marvel movies, there were no more of those tie-in games. At least not that I'm aware of. I think this Iron Man VR game is the first one of the mainline Marvel or the new mainline Marvel stuff that's gotten uh, a release or a tie-in or whatever it is going to be specifically since then. So that's about 10 years uh, since the last one, somewhere between 8 and 10 years since the last one of these games was released that I'm aware of. And, you know, we talked about a few that happened in between there. The Arkham games, you know, were great, but that was not really tied into any of the popular movie series. I know, you know, obviously Batman is one of the most popular superhero (coughs) comic book characters of all time. 
but it didn't really connect to the huge zeitgeist that popped up around what was the Marvel phenomenon in the late, you know, 2000s, early 2010s. And I mean, you know, Marvel's a juggernaut now. It doesn't look like they're ever going to stop. I'm sure at some point, you know, trends will change and superhero movies will sort of fall out of favor a little bit, much like, eh, maybe not much like Westerns did in the past, but everything sort of has, you know, highs and lows and, you know, peaks and valleys. So we'll see. But anyways, you know, during the time when they could have done some really good, interesting stuff with these uh, superhero games, they just made shitty tie-in games. Um, Marvel Alliance or the Marvel Ultimate Alliance. And there's another one that was just specifically the X-Men that I'm drawing a blank on what the name was, but it was a very similar type game. They were ARPGs. Um, and one of them, I believe it was the X-Men one, or maybe it's Ultimate Alliance for multiplayer games, you know, split screen, uh, co-op games for that up to four Marvel heroes could be on the, on the screen at one time. Those are great games that I have a lot of good memories with and, you know, playing with my friends and stuff like that. But it's one of those things that's much, or at least maybe at the time, was much less popular that I think would do very well on PC now, especially. Um, but, you know, it didn't make all of the money in the world. And instead of going back to that idea and refining it or applying some of the more modern uh, comic book aesthetic which, you know, in my mind, just because they're so big, that's the Marvel sort of cinematic universe aesthetic. But still, like, applying some of that to the game to make it more familiar to a generation of of kids or teenagers that this has been their superhero experience as opposed to uh, comic books or the old animated series. You know, instead of doing that, they're just basically leaving it, you know, in the, in the bin, um, you know. Marvel Ultimate Alliance, like I said, I just discovered it looks like they're having a releasing a third one um, this year. Uh, I I just looked at it a minute ago. It's either June or July of this year. Um, And, uh, you know, that's the first one of these that we've seen in many years. And I hope it does well. I don't think it's, you know, past the point where it could capitalize on some of that. But it's definitely late to the party, essentially. And... I think a lot of other games like this would do well. I mean, superheroes are basically just a way to present other genres. Some I, I've mentioned this before on the show, but some of my favorite of the Marvel uh, Universe movies are the ones where they're like, let's do this, but with superheroes. Like uh, Spider-Man. Uh, what was it? Homecoming? Was that what this, this Spider-Man solo movie was called? I think so. Whatever. Yeah, so Spider-Man Homecoming was basically like a teen high school movie, but with superheroes. And you might think like, well, that's stupid. I I want my superhero movie. But there was tons of action and tons of, you know, cool scenes and crazy gadgets and stuff. But it was like you got all kinds of neat teenage drama and coming of age story stuff, too. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are essentially space operas, but with, you know, superhero comic stuff thrown in. And those are great. Um, some of them are trending more towards what if, you know, what if comedy, but superhero? Um, what if spy movie, but superhero? That's you know, Captain America Winter Soldier is essentially a 
a take on a spy thriller movie, but with superheroes. Um, you know, it's doing concepts like that in the films are, you know, what set them apart and make them interesting. So, you know, superhero backdrops are basically just a backdrop for the wider storytelling aspect. I'd love to see some of that applied to games as well. You know, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess there's also the one genre that superhero stuff seems to have remained popular in for a long time has been fighting games because of the Marvel versus yeah, Capcom series and probably it, uh, injustice. Yeah. Um, you know, those seem to do well for, for superheroes. Yeah. Sorry about that. But otherwise, yeah, I can't think of anything that has persisted for a long period of time. I was hoping I wouldn't do it, but uh, it's, hmm. so anyways, that's, that's my soapbox. Uh, but I actually have, uh, yeah, a couple of points. Okay. Uh, Go for it. Uh, but out covering licensed and unlicensed games. Uh, for the unlicensed, I present to you the Superman complex. Uh, that's highlighted really in One Punch Man. That once you get too powerful, it becomes boring. But on the flip side, if you're not powerful enough, you're not really a superhero, are you? or at least uh, yeah in the traditional sense because yeah we have uh batman he doesn't have powers outside of infinite money right yeah and being crazy prepared and just crazy on the shitty justice league movie i think that's a line like flash he's like what's your superpower he's like i'm rich (laughs) uh I, I like on, uh, it was, now I'm, I can't think of the animated version of it, but, or the, the name of it, but it was uh, one of the animated uh, DC movies, which DC does a lot better animated. Uh, uh, the Flash was bugging Super or not Superman, Batman, wanting to know what his power is, and he just smirks at him, and he's like, are you just some guy in a suit? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it wasn't Flash. It was uh, Green Lantern. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also a lovely exchange in that where Batman steals the power ring. He still, I was going to say, I've seen that. He steals the power ring. You weren't concentrating. <laughs> uh, but I think it's very tough to get that balance right. And... If you can become too, uh, you know, if you introduce too much power, you know, you make the game essentially just boring, you know, just to bash them up. Not saying that that can't be fun, but usually you have to build around that. And a lot of developers don't want to build that, you know? Yeah. So you have that issue. And also, you know, if you go into it and say, well, this guy's really powerful, but... Yeah, that's not fun either. You just like, well, why am I getting this shitty version of him, right? Yeah. So there's that issue. But I think the bigger point is, especially for the lesson stuff, mobile. Mobile has a lot lower barrier entry, a lot cheaper budget. It doesn't have to sell a bunch of copies because it could be a free-to-play piece of shit that's paid through loot boxes and microtransactions 
So I think that's where everything is gone. While we're not getting the superhero games anymore is because it's a safer bet to make a match three game that has, you know, a Spider-Man skin on it. And I'm just reaching here. I'm not sure there actually is one or not. That sells a bunch of power-ups and a bunch of time skips rather than making, you know, more than one Spider-Man game in the last decade. Or I should say, good Spider-Man game. And not doing a movie tie-in at all with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, Marvel Puzzle Quest is basically that, but good. Um, It doesn't really do the time skips, but it does sell, you know, loot boxes or card packs or whatever. Because that's how you level up the heroes to get their new abilities and stuff. Is collect twenty of the Iron Man, whatever, to get. Yeah, it's the... a gotcha game. Yeah, or gotcha. But... Yeah, I think that's where everything is gone, and the executives, you know, see that as the safer bet because you know, a AAA game is not cheap to make, and not many superheroes really fit into the double-A space. I mentioned Deadpool before. Yeah, you know, Deadpool's like the oddball that really makes sense to put in a not very polished but still decent game because Deadpool is just weird <laughs> and they yeah. just do crazy stuff with it. So you have that space, but because all the heroes are so larger than life, it you know, it doesn't make sense to spend the money on it because, you know, they screwed up the initial offering, like you said. So I think that's just, you know, it's kind of a combination of they don't want to bother trying to balance the game right. And also, you know, you're not really getting the market value if you're making your own superhero as well. Maybe that's part of the reason why DC uh, Online is uh, kind of struggled on PC is that you know, there's only a few of the big heroes that are in it, but they're kind of just mentor NPCs and you never really interact with them that much. At least as far as I can recall, I played it a bit, but never really progressed that far. And, well, I should say heroes and villains in that one, because you can be a villain and you can be mentored by, I think it was the Joker as a mentor in that, which, you know, seems like a terrible idea, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Unless you make them laugh, but don't make, uh, but don't out laugh them. Yeah, I've never played DC online. If I recall correctly, it was decent enough, but it wasn't very good. Which is also kind of the flip side of this is that, you know, it requires a very dedicated design philosophy to make superheroes, because superheroes could be you know, pretty much anything. Right. Kind of like what you were talking about with the movie genres, you know, uh, you you could have a superhero that you know goes as fast as the speed of light. Well, how do you balance around that in the game, right? Yeah. So Super maybe speed. it's maybe it's just a a problem of superheroes don't really translate very well to video games. Maybe. I don't. I don't think so, or like I don't think that's it. I think that there would be problems with doing certain things for sure, but there would be other genres which would work fine. With uh, Superman is definitely, a, I would say, a, 
unless you severely depower him for some reason, is yep, probably the toughest to do because he has like power set on top of power set on top of power set, right? Yeah, I mean, he would be difficult to balance, but I think the best way to do a Superman video game would be, I mean, you just, you start as Superman, you know, with all the powers and everything, and the the basis of the game is not get stronger to defeat your enemies, maybe like one enemy, because Superman's fought a couple of enemies where he has to found it, figure out how to power up, like, that's how he discovered, like, flying into the sun lets him soak up a whole bunch of extra power for a while, and things like that, but... Rather, how do you use your powers creatively to do things like minimize collateral damage? Or, um, you know, you could just crush everybody, but Superman doesn't typically kill people. I mean, he will. Superman, you know, doesn't always not. But typically, you know, one thing theme of Superman, he's, he's like constantly holding himself back. And give uh, the, the player all the power. Speech. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, you know, give the the player all the power. So don't hold, you know, don't restrict the player by, for, you know, forcing them to be depowered and just say, like, you know, like, oh, Superman's holding back. Like, give them the power to destroy everything, but encourage them, like, hey, hold back. Be like Superman. And then come up with creative ways to solve problems. Because it's like, if yeah, you just punch this problem. guy into the sun, then it's over. And, yeah, you know, allow the the players the that, freedom yeah, to do that. How do you incentivize that? I would allow players to do that and you get, you know, an ending or a whatever. But if you try and do it like Superman would, then you get a better ending or a different set of dialogue and things like that. You know, just sort of subtle game You just added another zero to the budget. Yeah. If somebody's getting Superman, then they should have plenty of zeros to work with in, at this point. I mean, I'm not saying it would be easy or it would be cheap, but if you want to do a good Superman game, that's how you do it. Or at least one way to do it. I'm sure there's other ways to do it, but... Kryptonite Fog in uh, VR? That sounds boring. Uh, Well, as long as you make him fly through a bunch of rings, right? Mm, Yep. (laughs) Now you're getting what I'm talking about, right? Got to fly through those rings. Well, I mean that I wasn't wrong when I said that. See, sounds boring. <laughs> no, just terrible. Terribly boring. All right. Um, next topic. Yeah, I believe so. Sweet. Uh, so the next news topic for the night: new console announcements from Sony and Microsoft. We're kind of combining two here, which is that both Sony and Microsoft have announced consoles sony is still keeping it yeah they're keeping it a little close to the chest but they basically have said a few things about the playstation 5 um well they haven't officially called it a playstation 5 but out of all the console manufacturers they're the ones that are able to count (laughs) yeah well microsoft did the whole one two skip a few 360 but then they went back to one yeah, yeah, they're trying again, so maybe we'll get two next time. But, so Sony's discussing what will most likely be called the PS5, and then Microsoft was confirming some stuff about the Xbox One S. Yeah, Xbox One S All Digital Edition. Also, from now on, being known as the Xbox Sad. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm already seeing people talking about that all over the place. Yeah. Uh, whoever runs the naming division for Xbox just needs to get fired at this point. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but they did Xbox One X, which spells Xbox. Like, that's a, a terrible, like, pun sort of thing. But I like it. Yeah, but the thing is, if you throw enough things at the wall, eventually something sticks. Right. So, you know, they had the X-Bone. They've uh, had the inability to count. (laughs) And and now now they're just sad. Do do you think this is a cry for help? Maybe. Phil Spencer's really like, please get me out of here. But they did confirm that the Xbox One S is going to be, for sure, all digital. It's going to be $50 less than yeah, the Yeah, I was standard. expecting that to be uh, yeah, a little bit less than that. I, I, f- I figured it was going to be about 50 I was hoping for 100 but sort of expecting in the neighborhood of $50. Um, and then it's going to come with a couple of games. Yeah, it's uh, the same here. dimensions, by the way, which... Yeah, it makes sense considering the teardowns that I've seen, how the internals are. You know, this isn't going to be a complete redesign. This is essentially removing the the drive in it. I wonder something, though. What? I, I wonder if they modified the actual motherboard, or can you actually put a drive in this thing modded? That would be interesting to see Ben Heck get a hold of this. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I know that the... At the Xboxes, you can plug external drives into. Yeah, and this one you can as and well, the, and it comes with a terabyte internal drive, which that these days that's kind of small. <laughs> Gotta admit. Yeah, I mean, it's, one terabyte is honestly pretty standard for a lot of stuff that I see. Sort of, I hesitate to use the term "regular people," but like people who don't build their own machines or don't need all custom the applications, like yeah, all the normies. You know, you go look at a pre-built PC or a laptop or whatever. Most of them have got between one and a two terabyte drive in it. Like for your average user, that is more than enough space. And even with the all digital lineup, I mean, the original Xbox One had a 500 gig hard drive in it. And I, I, I never filled it up. And there was a point in time when I was, you know, while I had it, that I was primarily a console gamer versus a PC gamer. And I never filled it up. And I've been all digital for a long time. I was all digital on the Xbox 360 towards the end of its life cycle when they had a lot more games on the, uh, well, their digital marketplace. So between one terabyte and the ability to use external drives, I'd say your average user will be okay. Your average console peasant will be okay. Mm-hmm. It's not like they need... Yeah stuff well, for a thousand steam games or more well at least they have the ability to plug in an external drive i'm actually a little shocked that they don't have it now i realize this requires massive uh remolding but you know, where the drive used to be a secondary drive bay uh, to be able to have a secondary internal drive without having to rely on external you mean the the uh, the Xbox me, One the, S. The, uh, yeah, but I'm saying like edition. it comes from the factory with an extra one in it, or the yeah, the oh, user well, can... or ha- uh, well, I was saying have a drive bay, uh, w- uh, with the option to plug it in there instead of having the 
just external USB. I gotcha. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, and as sort a PC of how gamer. the yeah, sort of how the uh, pl- uh, PlayStation actually runs. Where yeah, you, you can, can swap, swap out, out the drive on a PS4. Yeah. I don't know very many people who actually utilize that, though. I'm sure there's people out there who did. I'd say Microsoft looked at the market research and were like, well, the people who would do this for the console was very small. They're probably already playing on PC. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, you know, how they were trying to utilize that extra space, or how they could have, I should say. Because that's just going to be empty space in this. And having a secondary secondary drive would have made sense to me. Yeah. Unless they rearrange the insides of this, but if you've watched some of these uh, teardown videos, the Xbox One X uh, S. Oh, I, I I hate Microsoft's naming schemes. The uh, the X the normal version of the Xbox Sad. Uh, it's pretty tightly packed, actually. Yeah. It's actually quite impressive just what they've done uh, with the internals of it. So, you know, I was just trying to figure out, you know, just where they could fit more drive space. But, yeah, then again, you know, we're kind of late in the uh, hardware cycle at this point because uh, the PlayStation uh, 5's uh, first uh, rumors are coming out. Or first uh, details, I should say, because this isn't rumors. This is released, released info. Yeah, I'd say we'll get a lot more around E3 when, because mm-hmm. PlayStation isn't doing a conference at E3, but they're still doing a presentation like around E3 time. Yeah, so. which you don't know how thankful I am they aren't doing a conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's last year sucked. Uh, but, I, I, that that that's a generous term. Well, but anyways, uh, yeah. So the oh. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just the fact that they changed venues in the middle of it. Yeah, that was that was that, too much. That that infuriated me. It did a lot of people, especially people who were there. <laughs> um, but anyways, I mean, so far the PS5, they talked a little bit about uh, some changes to the CPU. They all they said was they were had a custom GPU as well, like a new custom GPU, which is not a surprise. Consoles always have custom GPUs just to, you know, because of the space and things inside that they're having to, to work with. Um, changing the audio hardware or the audio something. Um, all they said was they're doing new tests on a new audio system for the console, which I'm not 100% sure what that means. Potentially some new type of, my best guess is some new type of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A- not API, but co- codec? Codec, some- yeah. Codec, yeah. So a new type oh. of codec that allows for higher quality audio out of something that's more compressed or that utilizes more like multi-channel setups more appropriately for surround sound and things like well, that. Well, considering that's- they're also going to go for 8K resolution. Yeah. Which- well, 8K at uh, blazing 30 FPS. I don't believe that it'll do 8K. Like, they might... It- no, it says on here the uh, PS5 will support uh, resolution, uh, 8K resolutions. Yeah, I don't believe it. I get that they say that, but I don't believe it. They might be able to get it out of a dev console that's hooked up to a bunch of other external hardware to help it out. But I don't believe for a second that it'll do 8K. 4K, yeah, definitely 4K. 
Um, no, no. I, I think it'll do 8K, variable 8K, where you know certain uh, scenes will be 8K, certain scenes will be 4K, or, or some scenes will be 720p. Yeah. 8K maybe for pre-rendered stuff. Like, it, it might be able to do 8K for video and any pre-rendered game assets, you know, cutscenes, that sort of thing, but I don't think it'll be able to do 8K, you know, in-engine on the fly. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, because that would be a pretty big step forward in tech, especially console tech, with how far they're behind all the time, essentially. Well, here's the thing is that they're talking a lot about their SSD technology. Which I thought was hilarious when when we brought this up, because it's like SSDs have been around for a decade. And yeah, they used to be really expensive, but I mean, everybody I know has got at least one SSD in their machine. I've got two and then I've got one on my laptop, and I've got two external drives that have SSDs in them. Like, they're all over the place now. It's not that big of a deal, but they're like, ah, oh, yes. Check out our SSD. Well, you could put an working... SSD in the PS4, actually. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that was that was it. You could put an SSD in the PS4 with the removable, you know, change yeah, well, out the drive. Well, it looks like they're focusing a lot more on trying to get as much bandwidth out of the uh, out of the memory as possible which uh, yeah is interesting because it's going to require a, yeah, a, or allow for a lot more texture streaming a lot more streaming off of possibly pre computed stuff so essentially pre-rendered maybe yeah or somewhere sort of in between which would be good. I mean, uh, so are we going back to the PS1 era where uh you know all the good looking games were uh, yeah, just little sprites with uh, <laughs> um, pre-rendered backgrounds. Maybe so. That would be interesting. I mean, everything's basically a circle, right? So, mm-hmm. history repeats and all that jazz. But, I mean, that does make sense that they would be shooting for that because, you know, sort of in this weird area where consoles exist, it's like, well, we need powerful hardware to do the stuff we want to do, like as powerful as we can cram into these little boxes. But then you have heat concerns and things like that. You can only scale something up so much between heat and size. So, you know, they, they like get for, for what you're getting, like, you know, the money that's spent on them and things like that. Like you're getting something that's comparatively powerful to the money that's being spent on it. And then you slow all that down with a 52 or a 5,400 RPM hard drive. And it's like, well, never made sense to me. (laughs) No, but I mean, it was all cost cutting, but SSDs are, you know, down in the price per gigabyte, yeah, I mean, here's the, here's the comparison that they ago. were using is uh, Marvel's uh, Spider-Man uh, fast traveling between two different spots. 15 seconds on the PS4 Pro versus 0.8 on their dev kit uh, with this SSD technology going on. Supposedly, it's supposed to be a lot higher bandwidth than what PC uh, SSDs are capable of. Uh, I guess it's going to be a wait and see, huh? Yeah, I, that could be something that I wouldn't be too surprised about, actually, just because that whole proprietary, uh, proprietary technology and having everything basically hard-wired together, mm-hmm. you don't have as many transfer points. I mean, you can get blazing fast speed with an actual M.2 SSD. Yeah, which that's what I'm thinking this is going to be co- uh, comparable to. Um, but, I mean, even an SSD over SATA you can still get in the neighborhood of like 600 megabytes a second in transfer speed uh, or in, you know, in read write speed. 
which is miles ahead, you know, the potentially 190 to 100 you could get from a ridiculously fast hard drive. You know, yeah, something just, like the Western Digital Black or the Raptor territory. Yeah, what do you think this is going to mean for console ports, though, uh, coming up? Is it going to mean that we're going to see a lot more of, uh, you know, games like Rage, where, you know, you just have horrendous uh, texture streaming problems if you're not running it off of a very high-end SSD, and even then, you know, may have issues? Maybe... It, you know, this is just but, uh, this is a concern to me. But then again, we also have the thing where, you know, we don't know what Microsoft has up their sleeve yet. So if yeah, they go for also, a more traditional hard drive, then yeah, you know, it won't be as big a problem. Also, I mean, RAM, the the size of RAM, both actually on GPUs, so VRAM, and then you know just RAM you put in your machine, which I've I've gotten it wrong before, so I'm not gonna say the letters but you know ram in your machine and then ram in your video card like the amount that is just sort of standard nowadays is between 16 and 32 gigs on most off-the-shelf models and you can get 64 128 comparatively you know relatively speaking for a low cost for what that level would have been a couple of hardware generations ago uh they might just say you know what it will just load the whole thing into ram and just stream it off of that, you know, basically make like a big scratch disc out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which, that would uh, solve your problem the way right it there. Uh, well, until you get install sites are too big, uh, big for most RAM these days, because that's the other problem is the uh, uh, just compression in general. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting this console generation. Just yeah, you know, what happens since uh, PlayStation seems to be embracing. Uh, a lot of streaming technology from uh, hard disk. This, uh, they haven't confirmed that there's still going to be disk drives. I'll be shocked if we don't see something like the Xbox sad on the uh, PlayStation side of things. You know, uh, all digital console by the end of the PlayStation 5 uh, lifespan. Because it seems like they're focusing on this instead of doing another version of the PlayStation 4 Pro, which is probably the right move. Yeah, I mean, it's about time, honestly. To... Yeah, I, well, I had a friend that was, uh, you know, talking about, you know, maybe picking up a console, and he, uh, I said that uh, I, I expect information either this year or next. This was before, you know, rumblings about the PlayStation Five was coming out. Uh, with a release of two of uh, either uh, late uh, 2019 or mid 2020. Uh, to get before the Christmas rush 2020. Yeah. Well, I should say, uh, well, sorry, I got my years backwards. Uh, uh, mid to uh, late 2020 or early uh, 2021. Ugh. So, yeah, I'm about on pace, right? Yeah. I mean, I doubt we'll see a release this year. I suppose anything is possible, depending on how closely they've been playing this to the chest, but. I don't think we'll see a release this year. No, I think probably we're next, it next year. year. Yeah. yeah, I would say next year's uh, the safe bet. Twenty twenty one seems a little too far out, and uh, well, twenty nineteen seems a little too early. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I said info uh, either this year, uh, late this year, with uh, release next year, or at worst twenty twenty one. 
but this was before any rumblings about the Xbox sad or uh, the PlayStation five. So, yeah, it, so yeah. I would say I'm probably on pace for the, uh, for the PlayStation five on my early uh, window and probably the Xbox. Uh, hang on, let me get a random number generator. Uh, the Xbox six. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, we need to up that to, let's go a thousand, one to a thousand. The Xbox 632. There we go. Thank you, Google. That, yep. That makes sense. <laughs> I'd say we'll hear a random number gen in Google uh, search. It gives you a random number generator. Nice. I didn't know um, that. I didn't either. But I, I suspect we'll hear something this year at E3 from Microsoft about their next console. Um, although they had a pretty big jump with the Xbox One X, which I still prefer Scorpio. I thought that was cooler. But they had a pretty big jump when they went to that. Um, I was surprised that they were saying, no, no, this is just another version of the Xbox One. But it's so much stronger than the Xbox One or the S that it, you know, it, it feels like it should be a different generation console. And let's see, it'll be Sky Blue, because I just went random color picker. Wasn't Sky Blue a console project before, though? That sounds I'm familiar sure. for something. I don't know, I'm sure if you type, like, Project Sky Blue into Google, you're not going to get helpful results. Well, this was that attitude. I'm going to go ask Bing, because this is Microsoft that I'm thinking <laughs> of. Project Sky Blue. Mm. Yep, very unhelpful. Although, to be fair, I'm not sure this would be helpful or come up with anything on Google either. Uh, not really. I, t- well, I, I added video games. Uh, the it. Blue Sky Project. What is that? Building individuals and teams from the inside out. Ew. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds icky. Wait, this is just generic marketing speak. It, it, it's it's three paragraphs and it doesn't say what the hell it is. Leaders must either invest a responsible amount of time ascending to fears uh, and feelings, or uh, and it's you know bright colors for the first half and then you know like four point font uh, gray on white background for the last half, or squander an unreasonable amount of time trying to manage ineffective. An unproductive behavior. Uh, and shitty web design. Don't forget that. Shitty web design. Well, this is just pure pornography that I found on the second page of being search results. Well, once again, it is based off your search history. Just, just pure pornography. Sky blue search. XNXX.com. And that's porn. Naked and sexy couple fucking under the blue sky from X videos. Oh, there's something called Blue Sky Studios. Category video game. Blue Sky Studios. What is this? Is this porn? No. Everything is porn on the internet. Oh, God. Blue Sky Studios made a whole bunch of Ice Age tie-in games. Where's the porn? Go back to the porn. It's less filthy. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Sky blue porn videos on Pornhub.com. Open link. And safer ah. later. Yes, pure pornography. 
Oh, look, there's some video game porn on here on on this page. Cool. Bring it back to games. Back to gaming. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of going back to gaming. Uh, y- yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Uh, this popped up on uh, one of the gaming uh, subreddits. And I thought it was amusing. YouTube to create interactive narratives. Which technically could be games. So I'll allow it. Yeah. So YouTube is essentially trying to follow Netflix with some of their interactive stuff. Uh, Netflix has uh, one of the Black Mirror. Is it a spinoff? Is it an episode? I don't watch Black Mirror. I don't like that type of uh, show, so I don't. I haven't watched it. Uh, yes. I mean, Black Mirror is sort of each of their episodes are sort of a self-contained thing that's like exploring a concept or an idea. It's like, yeah, what if uh, technology bad? You know? Yeah, it, it seems like all of them are just you know uh, pseudo horror or something like that. And I'm not a horror guy, so. Uh, but they've also explored it with a stripped-down version of uh, the Minecraft story. Yep. Or Minecraft story mode. Uh, they have now Bear Grylls on there. <laughs> you know, essentially uh, people trying to kill him. But to be fair, you know, Bear, Gr- Bear Grylls try to kill, tries to kill himself all the time. Better drink his own piss. Well, it has been 15 minutes. It has been. Um, I, I didn't like Bear Grylls. I preferred Survivor Man. Less drown. Yeah, I, I actually preferred Survivor Man as well because Bear Grylls had a camera crew out with him, and Survivor Man like just had some cameras and a tripod. Yeah, and also, uh, yeah, even before you, you know, knew for sure it was set up, there was way too many coincidences on uh, Man vs. Wild, you know? Yeah. And he, he took way too many risks. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're off base, which is yeah, really surprising. YouTube, Parf, of course. Uh, uh, the title of this, uh, this was on PC Games End, that's where I saw it. YouTube follows Netflix into the interactive video business. It's kind of funny they do this now after they killed just a slew of interactive videos when they deleted annotations, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, which I didn't think of before you brought it up because I wasn't all that interested in this topic, honestly. And then you're like, oh, they did that. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. They did. Because I, I did do or did watch some of those, you know. I, I toyed around with them, and I was actually thinking about making one at one point. Uh, I wasn't sure exactly what project I wanted to tackle, but then they announced, uh, well, there was rumors of annotations going away, and I thought, well, uh, so much for that idea. And so I, you know, never got off the ground. Right. But there was uh, so many projects that they killed with that. That just, yeah, you know, they just ruined. There, there was uh, interactive games of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, people doing, uh, you know, just complete from scratch versions of it. Uh, I knew of a couple Let's Play series. Uh, I think uh, the Stanley Parable, it was essentially every choice you could follow through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, every choice, uh, it would pop up the annotation to uh, jump to a hidden video of that. And yeah, you know, they ruined a lot of uh, uh, stuff with that. And the fact that now they're like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, it makes me wonder how they're going to do this on mobile. Because that was the big problem with the annotations. They never got them. Well, they never bothered to try to fix them on mobile. But yeah, mobile is a big platform for YouTube. 
So, yeah, they're trying to push interactive fiction now, or interactive videos, I guess I should say. Uh, but does that really fit with uh, YouTube's business practices these days? Making interactive videos or making... Or, or, uh, oh, well, YouTube has pushed... Uh, I know you've uh, kind of slacked up on YouTube. I have as well, but I've still been following it. They pushed the idea that you want to have very short to the point videos at right around the 10 minute mark. Have you noticed that videos have gotten uh, uh, shrunk from uh, average about 20 minutes to about 10 minutes now? Not on most of the channels that I watch, actually. Uh, they're mostly Patreon supported and. Well, don't I, I should say the ad supported ones. Um. Yeah, I suppose I, I do watch. Uh, that, that's because the algorithms favor uh, channels that have a very particular type of content. That's why Young Ye is like always ten to fifteen minutes. Always. That that's one to watch. Yeah, watch Young Ye at some point and notice. Well, I'm looking at his stuff right now. Uh, videos. 13 minutes, 12 minutes, 15, 11, 17. There's a long one. 14, 15, 17, 12, 10, 22, 10, 54. <laughs> so the yeah. fact that they're trying to push this, it makes me wonder how they're going to balance it around the algorithms. You know, are they going to try to uh, get people that have more interactive stuff? To be fair, this is a completely separate division. Well, is and YouTube producing the content themselves are they going to do any of that because i mean they do have youtube original content uh they haven't said that's the thing is is this going to be something that they're releasing as a tool and if so we could see a resurgence of the interactive channels once again which would tie back into gaming content which actually interests me a lot more than what youtube does with stuff I can't even think of anything YouTube original I've watched that isn't you know, a creator that's done it. Let's see. Yeah, YouTube has been scaling back its original scripted shows, but hasn't entirely given up on making their own content. It's set to announce a bunch of new shows next month, although it seems unlikely that the new interactive unit will feature as part of that uh, that short case. Showcase, sorry. So they've scaled back their original content as well. That's not That doesn't bode well for that, huh? Yeah, I don't think so. That makes Can't me think sure. this is going to be a tool. That would be interesting. I'd like that if it was a tool. Uh, yeah, this now let's see of... how YouTube fucks it up. <laughs> or what they break, or what else they break when they release it. Because that's the other thing, is that when YouTube fixes something, they either break it or make something worse. Like the yeah. Creator Studio. Oh, I hate the Creator Studio, or the new one. I pretty much have to use Chrome with it now. It actually just hangs there on Firefox. It has like a, I would say a 10 or 15 second loading time for me. And I'm not sure if it's just my computer being old or, or if they're just purposely breaking Firefox. Hmm. I would hope that they weren't purposely breaking Firefox, but I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. It's not like YouTube are a bunch of dicks or anything. Yeah. Assholes. <laughs> but also, if this becomes a tool, I, I wouldn't trust them to support it for long enough to really want to produce anything for it. 
because that's the other thing is that, yeah, people have been caught out with YouTube before. Just look at uh, Google Plus, right? Yeah. You know, the like five people that actually done uh, that did content for it. <laughs> Good old Google Plus. I think that's the first time anybody's used the uh, term Google Plus and good without a negative in that. I did kind of like Google Plus more than like Facebook and stuff just for the way it displayed content to you. But I mean, nobody used it. So it was like, eh, I guess I won't use it either. Yeah. Yeah. Real chicken and egg problem where, you know, how do you get people to join in whenever you know, nobody wants to leave Facebook because all their friends are on Facebook? Yeah. You know, sharing uh, semi-racist content, or at least that's well, my, at least that's my Facebook feed. Well, what you do is you spend a bunch of money buying Facebook exclusive content and put it on your service. <laughs> That's not going to work because Facebook just recop- uh, copies content from other places anyway and puts it back on there. It's very true. This would be more difficult to do with Facebook than it is with Steam. Ah, you I, see what I did there? Ah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen something on Facebook like two or three days after I've seen it on Reddit. Oh, yeah. That happens all the time. And everybody's talking about how this is a, an amazing new thing. I'm thinking, I saw this last week. Yeah. That happens all the time. Katie or uh, someone at work would be like, oh, check out this thing. And I'm like, I saw that on Reddit last week or a couple of days ago. They're like, shut up. Pretend it's the first time you've seen it and then it's amazing. It's like it's it's not on both counts. <laughs> but all right. Much like uh, this uh, concept for YouTube. Uh, it's uh... Not something, uh, it's something that we've seen before and it's not amazing. It wasn't amazing before and it's not amazing now. Huh? Huh? Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) What? It just uh, sounds like your uh, life force is gone. Indeed. 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 Alrighty. Well, let's Uh, uh, move on. Left eyebrow rises slightly. Yeah, I, I can't raise just one eyebrow at a time. Oh, can't I can't do that. Well, aren't you special? Indeed. <laughs> well, you can't see it, but I raised my uh, eyebrow. <laughs> I believe you. Um. All right. So, community corner. Did we have any tweets? Nope. Okay. Uh. Then it'll just be another uh game night, quick game night discussion. Mm-hmm. We played Black Ops this pre or this this past week. Uh, we did Gun Game and some three v three. We had a blast, had a good time. Uh, Black Ops will probably come back up in the rotation at some point. Um, do some other stuff in it too, but we had a good time. Just a couple hours of silly fun, shooting each other, telling Kyle to go fuck himself. It's a pretty regular part of the night. Love you, buddy. I'm still bitter though. You know what I'm bitter about. I'm not going to bring it up here on the show, but you know. Ooh, I got to hear know, this Kyle. after the fact. Oh, no. I mean, you already know about it. It happened sometime. Fuck it. I'll go ahead and say it on the show. When um, Planetary Annihilation, whenever he blew up my planet when I had never played the game before and I got really mad and almost quit playing that night after like 40 minutes, but then I persevered because I'm not going to let him win. 
then there was a, a story about how that several people or a couple people ganged up on him in their current Civ game and basically screwed him over out of a bunch of stuff and he got really mad and I was like, yeah, fuck you, Kyle. This brings me joy <laughs> because of what you did to me that one time. And he was like, dude, that was years ago now. And I'm like, I know. I'm very bitter. I'm holding on to it forever. So there you go, Kyle. Yes, let the hate flow through you. Um, but we had a good time. I especially had a good time because of that fact. Uh, next week, or this coming week, whatever, we are going to do some Rocket League. Uh, we'll Depending on how many people show up, we'll either do some private match stuff, or, you know, if not a lot of people are able to make it, then we might do more, you know, team up and just play against people online. But if there's enough people, we'll do private match and mess around. Like what we have done before, chase the fish. <laughs> Mel's. Um, and just generally have a good time. And that's that for Community Corner, except for you telling people how to send us stuff. Yeah, if you were to send us stuff, you could do so. VGLpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us to us. Uh, VGLpodcast on the Twitter. Or just comment on our Discord. Which Discord is has a link on our page, vglpodcast.podbean.com. So, indeed. music. Indeed. Indeed. Double in, another double indeed. As I head over towards my discovery queue, which I have open this time. Yeah, but I didn't. Uh, still have something immediately. Nah. What do you got? Corpse Cop Party Sweet Satchel's Historic Hysteric Birthday Bash. It looks weird. And it's like your, your perfect thing. Okay. Uh, and I need to copy a link for you. I copied the, te- uh, the thing and I scrolled way past the Hang on. Where are you? There you are. There you go. There's a link for you. Visual novel. The vengeful spirit, Sachiko Sunachki, is having a birthday bash. And the lovable cast of Damn Souls from the Corpse Party series is invited. I don't know Corpse Party. I believe it's an anime. I've never heard of that before, but but yeah. uh, there you go. Hey, it's been a while since we ha- or since I had a weird uh, visual novel. So there you go, right? Thanks. I I get them frequently, but they suck. So I well, just mine usually look decent-ish. I still don't have anything, so don't worry about me if you've got another one. Uh, oh, wow. Hang on, hang on. Oh, why is... <laughs> uh, this is probably going to be a uh, Discovery Q uh, avoid at all costs. But, you know, those are always fun as well, right? They are. And it's a Final Fantasy game. Okay. Desera Final Fantasy NT Free Edition. Voted mostly negative, 37% with 1,500 votes right now. I mean, damn, right? Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to find... Let's see. Uh, 3v3 is a chaotic hot mess, and that's the only match type available. Peer-to-peer multiplayer between six people in 2019, no less, is a bad idea with uh, poor execution. A hard-to-follow UI that's not suited for PC, slow, unresponsive, clunky camera. I'm just reading off the second uh, 
most popular uh, review. Uh, gameplay is interrupted regularly by summoning long states of invisibility in varying uh, arenas not suited for 3v3. Uh, odd frame rate cap, usually on cutscenes, including victory, defeat, summoning cutscenes, but also menus. Overall, poor PC port. So, yeah, avoid like a plague. It sounds like free is uh, way too much to pay. Gotcha. Well, I finally got one. Uh, the Horus Heresy Legions. Didn't Do you I like CCGs? Do you like Warhammer 40k? I had this well, like last this week. Well, this is a CCG for you. Well, there you go. Then it's getting <laughs> featured twice. I mean, it's a, a CCG with Warhammer. That's really all there is to say about it, so I'm going to keep looking for things on my list. Uh, I got one. This seems familiar. I think you may have done this one. Pray for the gods. I think this was one of yours for a while back. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for the gods is a brutal journey set on a desolate frozen island where your only chance of survival is to destroy the very gods you believe in. Checkmate, atheist. Yeah. Atheists. So it feels like a kind of uh, Shadow of the Colossus with its very, very big boss fights, but a little bit of uh, Monster Hunter thrown in with with the survival elements. But also is not just big uh, uh, baddies as well, so... Uh, it looks like a weird combination of things. It's early access for, for 30 bucks. I'm getting a lot of trash this week. Yeah, I did too. I got another one though. Zanky Zero, Last Beginning. Oh dear God, uh, which one that's done MS Paint? No. Explore ruins, dungeons, and islands in this post-apocalyptic world through the POV of eight protagonists as they fight for survival and search for meaning in the never-ending cycles of life and death. This looks like a combination visual novel and turn-based RPG uh, set in Waterworld. So all it needs is Kevin Costner. And cigarettes. But otherwise, I'm I'm in, even without Kevin Costner. This looks interesting. Okay, I had too much trash. I had to start another one. Wow, I mean, I has that ever to, happened but... to you before? Uh, uh, rarely, but uh, my first one on my next one uh, looks interesting. And it has very few reviews, so it looks, looks like uh, maybe a hidden gem. It was released, oh, it was released technically yesterday. Because, you know, 15 minutes. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, you're done with Waterworld? Yeah. Uh, Heaven's Vault. Explore Lost Ruins of the Nebula. Read ancient inscriptions and, un- and uncover a forgotten past in this narrative, archaeological, science fiction adventure game from the creators of 80 Days. Hmm. So, pretty much sold immediately, right? Yeah, that sounds interesting. It has a bit of a huh, price tag on it. I'm not sure you know, if there, this is more uh, grander in scope than 80 Days was because this is a you know a $25 game. But yeah, you know, it has a kind of an interesting art style. It's everything feels very flat, doesn't it? Looking at the screenshots, the, the characters, I should say, like there's no uh, shadows on them. 
So it gives a very flat appearance. I mean, it's not terrible, but at the same time, it's an interesting art style. Looks like there's some sort of narrative choice going on as well. Ah, shit. I just clicked away from Ooh. one that looked interesting. Uh, well, I just got a, another one. Uh, it looks like this uh, Discovery queue is back up to my usual standards. Deck of Ashes. I've seen that somewhere. Maybe in Key Mailer. So I've seen it. Deck of Ashes is an adventure game with tactical card combat. One character at a time, lead the cast of anti-heroes on a quest for redemption. Explore the cursed fantasy owl, uh, fantasy world, and hunt down powerful cards. So, uh, sort of... Oh, now I'm blanking on the name of the CCG that a uh, roguelite will come to me eventually, but it has a very similar feel to it. I wonder if this is from the same developer. Uh, of course not. Well, I got a, I got one. Uh, and it's the last game on my queue as well, so I'm going to have three this week. Siege of Centauri. This is a uh, tower defense game, uh, which I do like. And it just generally, I like the art style. I like the way the levels seem to be presented. I really like the artwork. Uh, it just looks good. And for a tower defense, that's like half of it right there. So, Well, I got uh, pretty much, uh, well, once I get to it, uh, probably a sale game for me though to be perfectly honest because I'm like two behind now Yakuza uh, Kamiya 2 a remake of Yakuza's 2 for the PlayStation 2 so yeah I mean the Yakuza series has really grown on me as I've been playing it or the uh, Yakuza's Yakuza 0 it's wacky fun but still has a very interesting storyline that doesn't feel like it's ripped from a uh, Saints Row game, or a later Saints Row game, I should say. I would say it's definitely worth a pickup. But I would say start with Yakuza 0. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a good entry point to the series, because it's a prequel to everything. But uh, the uh, the Kamaui? Uh, is essentially just remaster of whatever the rest of the title is. So this is a remaster of the second game. And well, the, well what was the second game in the storyline? Now it's the third. So there you go. I'm glad to see that they're continuing to support PC. Yeah, I do want to get into the Yakuza series eventually on PC. I mean, I, I've been interested for a while. I like yeah, I would say uh, watch out for Yakuza 0 uh, going on sale. Uh, probably during the summer sale, uh, pick it up. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going through my secondary queue now. I'm halfway through it, so... Uh, I'm going to have a lot of links on mine. Zankini Zero Last Beginning. Man, I didn't copy the link. I copied the... Oh, that's the one that I put up a minute ago. Waterworld. Oh, alright. I, I, I didn't uh, catch the name, so... Okay, I'll take that off my list. Uh, let's see. Oh... What in the hell is this? This may be of interest to you. And it has a free demo going on for the next six days. Okay. Uh, well, uh, uh, free-to-play MMO with tactical combat, Conqueror's Blade. 
It looks like uh, kind of mountain blade-ish, only on a more green scale uh, with the uh, with the armies. It's interesting looking. It has mixed reviews. Oh, they're talking about uh, loot boxes. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, definitely not good. Uh, it almost feels a little for honorish as well. Maybe it's just the you know the scale of it, you know. Yeah, potentially. Let's see, that looks trash. Uh, hello. About another one. Pathway. Pathway is a, a, an adventure into the strange unknown. I'm oh, sorry, adventure into the strange unknown with Pathway, a strategy RPG set in the 1930s Great Desert Wilderness. So, rogue lightish. Yeah, rogue light uh, turn-based strategy with some dungeon crawling. It looks like it has some mixed reviews. So it's uh, yeah, may not be everybody's cup of tea. Uh, looks like uh, there's some problems probably with the unlocks, which is a bad sign for a rogue light. To be perfectly honest, you want good uh, level progression. Oh dear God, that's a terrible fighting game. <laughs> oh, and that's that looks even worse. <laughs> oh that looks terrible and that was the end of my queue so the second queue ended up padding me out right six seven eight you had eight i had three yeah which i would have had three otherwise which felt wrong somehow you know then smash cut I hit him with those socials, Rage. Well, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> uh, and then I have to cough and clear my throat. Oh, want to try it again? Sure. Hit him with the socials, Rage. I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on YouTube, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on. Twitter, Game of CR, and maybe eventually someday you'll be able to find me on Twitch. I do still have that aspiration. Twitch.tv, uh, caffeine underscore rage. And you've been Gaming Psychologist. And if you want to find my stuff, you can do so on the YouTube YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at JMA4707. Or be my friend on Steam by sending your friend request to jarthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is interruption. <laughs> interruption. Nice. It seemed fitting because, you know, we had a couple interruptions. Uh, and also, uh, speaking of fitting, once again, if you wish to contact the podcast, you can do so vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or just tweet them to us, vglpodcast on the Twitter. If you wish to join the legions of our lovely, lovely patrons, you can do so patreon.com slash vglpodcast, who have paid for our Podbean account, vglpodcast.podbean.com which hosts the RSS feed, our show notes, links to all our media, but you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice if RSS feeds scare you. 
Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kim McLeod, and our, and our Discovery Key music is Doobly Doo by the same artist. His work can be found at incomputate.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time.